Hello and welcome to episode number 329 of the Super Horror Bros podcast. I'm your host Matt and joining me as always is my brother Mike. Hello. How's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. I've got my tuxedo on, ready for the big one. Nice. Have you got any drinks at hand? Um, I, I may or may not have. I, I'm, I'm <laughs> right now. Yes, this is very much the vibe of this uh, this show. This is our final show of the year. As always, um, this is our, I think, seventh time we've done this now. And uh, it's always a blast. So strap in because we have a whole host of things to get to. Um, of course, we, we always kick things off with the main event, um, which is our combined top 10 horror films of 2022. Um, and the great thing about that list is um, every single listener completely agrees with all of the entries and the ordering. Um, it's hey, insane how that does. works. It's but, uh, I know, it's wild. It's just awesome. I don't know how it happens every year, but uh, it does. I mean, and um, it blows my mind that we we are like as close as we normally are with these things. Like, I'm always nervous whenever we sit down and I'm like, Jesus Christ, if Matt has like a number one that's not even in my top 10, like, what are we going to do? Whereas, you know, know. It's very, it's, it's very rarely happened. And like when we do disagree on someone, it's normally like, oh, I think it should be four and I think it should be six, you know, and you think it should be six or something ridiculous like that. You know, it's really yeah. never been awful, which is nice. I know I really want one of those films where it's like, I think this is a free, like, say, for instance, oh, actually, I'm not even going to name check it, but like, th- say if there was a film that was, yeah. oh, yeah, I think this is number three, and you're like, this isn't even top 30, like, yeah. it would be so interesting be to cool. see what, what the hell we would do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll get to that shortly. Of course, after that, we then follow up with our individual awards, um, which is, yeah, we have eight different awards, including Best Death, uh, Best Villain, so we'll go over those fun stuff um, afterwards. Yeah, we ran and um, we and then, those wards like six or seven years ago and we rigidly <laughs> stick to them every year after. <laughs> i'm so glad you mentioned that because yeah every year we're like why isn't there best director or best score it's like yeah well we didn't do it we seven years ago arbitrarily <laughs> pick it seven years ago when we were making this up as we go along <laughs> but we better hope there's some good sequels this year um <laughs> yeah look but, we're yeah. nothing but consistent okay Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, and then, of course, we end things with a few listener picks. Um, and then, yeah, just a nice little roundup of the year. Um, so, yeah, we're just going to dive right in. Before we get to our sort of honourable mentions... Um, You've got to give me some stats. You've got to give me some stats, bro. I'm, I'm, oh, this, yeah. this is why I, I, I tune into this episode. Just give, give me some numbers. Give me some stats. Yes, well, I had my, I had my abacus out earlier. Fantastic. Um, and I have come up with these stats, which may or may not be true. Hopefully they are true and correct. I mean, I will... Um, I will just say they're correct. So I don't think anyone's double checking these, which is the good thing. These, these um, are as accurate as my upcoming lists at the start of the calendar year. Oh, so 100 percent accurate <laughs> and correct, correct. Person. Um, Yeah, overall. <laughs> yeah, um, overall new films. This is always an interesting one. Obviously, this is our bread and butter it's why we started this podcast to cover new films um this is the only one really that i'll do like the overall year on year since we've been starting because i always find it interesting um but yeah 2016 we did 27 new films uh the following year 37 then 2018 is when it really sort of bumped up to the high numbers in 52 new films wow. um 2019 is still the high point with 54 new films um then 2020 the the kind of the start of the pandemic era we saw 53 new films um that is absolutely obscene um 
now that we've kind of come up with better ways to fill the gaps when there's quiet periods that was just a case of we were seeing everything we were seeing each other <laughs> yeah um 2021 last year we saw 40 um and now this year we have seen 49 new films nice. which is yeah a considerable amount considering we do other different specials which we'll get into shortly i, I was um, gonna say considering we are a weekly podcast the fact that for, for a couple of years we've seen on average more than one new movie a week i mean obviously it shows that we went to fright fest or we attended a version of fright fest four of the last five yeah. years and you can, exactly. you can very easily tell the year that we didn't yes 100 percent. and um so yeah kind of off the back of those 49 new films um 26 of them we saw at the cinema um or on the big screen um which that that is bolstered by the fact that of course 12 of those were at fright fest um so 12 of them at fight first otherwise it would have been 14 which was the exact same amount we saw last year um but obviously we saw zero films at fright first last year um so that's kind of interesting exactly it's interesting the way that plays out um as far as netflix movies only three this year compared to six last year um and i think they were all pretty terrible as well three of Um, them last year were one movie kind of but not really yes (laughs) for sure um which yeah definitely bolster that but i also think the rise of obviously shudder and even this year with like the kind of disney plus cross hulu thing um so the next category the final 20 was you know digital services or blu-rays which again was the exact same number as 2021 weirdly enough um so yeah it is wild how like consistent we are even though we're doing you know different things um obviously off the back of that we did four tv show specials this year um compared to three last year obviously two of those were on stranger things as well so technically we actually only covered you know specially three different tv shows mm-hmm. <laughs> which is interesting the exact same number as last year two of them were very good one of them was not uh, if people remember yeah. um and then overall yeah 51 shows um compared to 50 last year so we've somehow snuck in an extra one this year, um, probably due to those Fright Fest ones. Um, and yeah, that includes, as a sort of overall figures, um, five episodes of ranking Wes Craven this year um, compared to six last year. Which doesn't surprise me because we, I mean, we'd only just now snuck in that fifth one last week. Prior to that, it was four in like the first five months of this year, um, <laughs> and we'd really not needed to cover it for the last six months. No, we um, only snuck one in because it felt right. To- talk about new night yeah we just wanted to yeah because there was still a couple of movies we could have seen but we just yeah we wanted to talk about that last week um and of course yeah the final one is this show the best of 2022 special um and yeah obviously with the wes craven we only have four left now um so we might have to figure out a new sort of thing to do on the off weeks we could of course cover his tv movies if we get desperate <laughs> um to sort of really delve into the doldrums but i don't know if i'm ready for that but that's a that is not a discussion for now that is a discussion for the far long future yeah i have um, some ideas yes they should be fun um but yeah that is as far as statistics go um we need to talk about the best of the best but first there was a couple of movies um i think we've only got two honorable mentions here Mm. um i'll say overall like we were so strict this year considering how much stuff we loved yeah yeah we didn't Um, fuck around when we when we came to this like we really got down to brass tacks quite well this year 
Yeah, like with our awards to always have a winner and two runners up. I was looking at our last year's list and we had so many honorable mentions in all the categories. And I'm like, it just doesn't look as good. So I'm glad we haven't done that. We don't yeah. have any non uh, honorable mentions in the in those categories anymore. Yeah. Um, but I think it's fair for the top 10. I think so. To only have two. I think so. Um, I think you're allowed a few for the top 10. But yeah, it was getting ridiculous when it's like, oh, yeah, we want to talk about seven actors. It's like, no, no yeah we have a top three for a reason and it is what it is yeah and especially like you want to talk about it but ultimately that's what those individual episodes yeah. are there for yeah. like they all got their time to shine you know not everyone gets to feature here like i say there'll be plenty of films um this year that we really enjoyed that won't even get a mention this year yeah. in, you know in this show which is just the strength of the genre um we know that obviously yeah, as far a lot as... of people you know want to make the, the you know get a shb award but you know it only goes yeah. to a select few yeah, and that's why it means something. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, honorable mentions. That there's there is a hundred percent an unofficial number eleven here, which I guess we'll save. Because mm -hmm. um, the first one is Crimes of the Future, um, which it will, probably wasn't the most positive review we've given a film this year. But I think that it's it has stayed with me so much. This film. Yeah. Um, I've only seen it once and there's so many moments, so much of the world building, so much of the visuals, um, the character development as well, like some really interesting takes on lead characters I've really not seen before to the point that, yeah, this movie, I wasn't in love with it when I saw it. I might have even said I was slightly disappointed. Um given my sort of recent um you know falling in love with david cronenberg's back catalog that started last year um and i was so excited for a new feel from him but i still think this movie is utterly brilliant um and so unique and and has so many of those hallmarks that i love from his career um so uh, yeah i think this movie's awesome and i really do want to see it again i i don't know if i'll like it any more or less because it was at times it was a frustrating watch and i think that's purposeful in some of the sequences and maybe not so in others but yeah in terms of what has has lived in my head this year in the horror genre this movie is still there for me yeah i think so i think it, the thing about it is it's so unsettling you know right you know vigo's performance is just kind of very unsettling and i'm still not sure mm. if he's okay um <laughs> but everyone in it it just yeah it made me feel like just uncomfortable watching the whole thing and I think that's kind of, you know, that is what horror d tries to achieve at times, but also it's not something that you can watch all the time. And that's probably why we've not revisited it, but it's still, it still, it does it to perfection because it really does just unsettle you everything, the imagery, the performances, the, the interaction between the characters. And, and yeah, it, it just didn't quite make the list. Yeah, but it um, definitely deserves a shout out. Yeah, sure. um, and I guess going into our unofficial number 11, um mm. yeah very close only just missed out and that was men um and again another one where we kind of you know i think when we had our review of it we were you know kind of not like as glowing but it just sticks with you and it was such a you know it's such a crazy concept i think kind of alex garland we we were excited to see his kind of return you know what was it since ex um, um annihilation yeah um which i absolutely love and kind of you know this return kind of was just again just such a weird weird idea the 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 performance kind of uh of our kind of two leads kind of um what jesse buckley and rory kenner kind of were both 
both fantastic and Rory kind of playing these multiple characters is you know just such a cool different take on on something that I think you know we've we've seen a lot in recent years and I think it was a you know a fresh a fresh take and and especially with this kind of British kind of you know backdrop as well um it's it's a uh, you know really great movie and when we get into the last kind of 20 25 minutes it goes batshit crazy as well like I, I still wasn't prepared for how crazy when it actually went there um it that movie was yeah it's it's really such an interesting <laughs> film there was um four films that were sort of in consideration and, and around this list that i've rewatched in the last week because i really wanted to um you know sort of remember how i felt about them and men was one of them and yeah it's I kind of feel how I did the first time. Where it has so many things about it that are really special. Um, and I think, yeah, that setting, first and foremost, was something that was so impactful to us, um, where it just immediately reminds us, reminds us of our hometown. And to see that in a horror movie yeah, done so well was just fantastic. Um, I still think that there's a lot of this movie I just don't understand. Um, even on, you know, reading a lot about it, hearing different people's interpretations, watching the breakdown videos, and then re-watching it i'm like oh i what i've now figured out is there isn't a right or wrong answer and i think it's one of those movies that is so open to interpretation and i think it is a fascinating mm. piece of art that alex has made here that people will still be talking about today you know what does this rebirth sequence mean and, and all of these different things oh he knows for a um, fact what he's doing you know the fact that he hasn't overtly gone out there and said his interpretation mm. you know he knows what he's doing and leaving it as open-ended is what it is and that's what makes it so fascinating Definitely. So I think, yeah, it's it's absolute a standout that people should see. I think for Alex, obviously, he's more well known in the sci-fi space recently um, with Ex Machina, Annihilation and then the TV show Devs. And I do like all three of those things more than this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm glad he made a horror film. Like I was so excited that he was making a horror movie um, and I'm really glad he did. And I think he delivered on it. Mm-hmm. But I just don't think he's as much of an expert in that field as he is in science fiction. Where I think he's... You know, he is in that level of those or, those horror auteur directors that we have. To me, it's like Alex Garland, Denis Villeneuve. There's like this very handful of people that just know how to make science fiction. Mm. Um, and he's absolutely one of them. But yeah, it, this was such a, a cool, interesting movie for sure. Um, you want me to but yeah, uh, very... kick us off with our official yeah. top 10? This is it now. This is the official movies locked in place forever. This is it. There's no going back. Um, and yeah, there's never there's... been changed before a top 10. Once, no. once, once we say a top 10, it is definitive. Exactly. So what sneaks in, um, but is, but is deserveful of its place within. Yeah. The I mean, this was a movie that was very high up on our kind of anticipated movies list. We've spoke about it a hell of a lot pre coming out. We've spoke about the franchise a hell of a lot. And Easily the most talked about film slash franchise franchise of 2022. Yeah, for sure. And, and almost of the podcast, like it would even be this or the Saw franchise. Um, mm. And yeah, in at number 10, we have Scream 2022, Scream 5, 5 Cream, <laughs> however you want to call it. Scream made the top 10, um, mm. which I think... It fills me with, with sadness and joy. It fills me with joy that it's made the top 10. Uh, it, it fills me with sadness that it's not our number one movie, just because, <laughs> you know, that's where I want Scream to be. But this movie is still, you know, very, very good. In a year that was, like we said, so strong for this to be something that we saw at the very beginning of the year, and it's been in our minds for the entire 12 months, I think kind of 
they did so many of the scream things right i think um you know a couple of the a couple of the deaths and the kind of the opening scene and and quite a few parts of the movie really kind of nailed home and i think it really it felt like the kind of cultural kind of capturing of the kind of modern zeitgeist of horror and kind of this sequel slash remake kind of you know commentary that the film did i think it did that so well and that would have been that felt to me like what wes would have done if he'd have made a screen movie um now and i think also kind of having the wes character and the kind of the the wake and all the stuff like that you know that really hit home i think a lot of it really did deliver i think you know as we you know spoke about it in the review i think kind of where it lets itself down is 100% in the finale. I don't think the, the killers and the finale really landed as much on rewatch. They land better, but they're still, they're, they're better. Their explanations are okay. It's just them on. I just don't think they're that strong. Um, and then certainly the legacy characters, you know, we spoke about that a lot. And I think kind of, you know, with the news that Nev kind of isn't in the new one, it sucks because I love um, Sydney but also just given the franchise legs to kind of have this breath of fresh air, um, I think will be good going forwards because I think, you know, you kill them, people get annoyed, you keep them around forever and they get in the way because, you know, suddenly they become untouchable. So I think, you know, that was a good, that, you know, it's good that we've had a post Wes movie for them to get to say goodbye. And, and now we kind of hopefully get to move on. But, but that aside, this, this movie was a banger and, really delivered for me in a lot of ways and so happy that it made the top 10 yeah i I think this new entry in the scream franchise is a really fascinating one um i really like a lot of it Mm -hmm. and i think ultimately it's a movie that i'm glad when you when you're dealing with franchises that you genuinely love when you're dealing with nightmare on elm street hellraiser saw for us the that worst feeling in the pit of your stomach when you're watching these just abysmal trash shouldn't be made shouldn't be watched by anyone sequels over and over again and i never want to see that with scream and so for me doing a good film is good enough Mm -hmm. um it's my least favorite scream, but I, I, I don't think it was ever going to be anything more than that. So they mostly delivered on what I wanted. I definitely think there is big highs and big lows throughout the film. You know, you touched upon it, but for me, this is like by far the worst killers in the franchise, and it's not even close. Um, and that is just a personal thing of, of why I probably like this less than other people um, or potentially do, because I still, th- I still think a lot of the kills are really great. It looks and sounds like a scream film. Mm-hmm. They do just a lot of things well and at no point did i feel disgusted as a long-term scream fan watching this film and that that was my biggest fear about any entry film um it's you know when when they bring back a nightmare on elm street again and all these different franchises you just don't want to feel that feeling and so to avoid that is a win for me um and yeah i really like the film i'm i'm curious where they're gonna go next because it's a very short turnaround for the next one very. obviously that's a that's a discussion for next year but this was a it continues the legacy correctly in that there is still not a bad screen movie and i don't want to live in a world where there is a bad screen movie um because sadly pretty much every other franchise that we love has <laughs> terrible ent- uh, entries mm-hmm. in it and i like 
to me this is one of those pure things i don't want it to be like that where you're like oh yeah you watch these ones but you don't watch these ones like that's what every horror fan has to do when they explain these different franchises and we all have different cutoffs um you know like for me with saw where i'm like yeah watch the first six but don't watch the last three and like i just don't like that mm. it's annoying to have to kind of you know put in a box your love for a franchise uh, away from these other things so i'm glad i could just be like no i'm a fan of scream whatever that may be now across five films and it means different things of course my love of one and my love of four will never be tested as much you know compared to the others but yeah i'm just so thankful that like no i do think it deserves a place alongside these other sequels for sure um which yeah you can never you can't really ask for more than that i think from a fan movie like say we we will always Mm -hmm. want new stuff we will always you know want originality and things like that but if we're dealing with these franchises that we know and love just make it good and i'm happy with that i think i think you're right um, you know that that you know there's so many franchises where we have to have caveats for our love and it's it's mm. great that yeah with scream we can just be like no no just it, we love scream like it's all good and and that was a massive kind of worry going into this one and and so yeah the fact that it's made it a top 10 of a very strong year fill, fills me with more happiness than than anything else yeah. i love that yeah if you recommend it you're like oh which ones do you watch mm. you just watch all of yeah, them yeah. like watch, that, order, awesome. watch all five you're done you, you'll be because yeah, there, i don't i don't think there's another horror franchise that i love that i could say that about you know certainly not like something that only has one or two entries because i don't think that's necessarily counts that's not really what we're talking mm. about here um but yeah moving on to number nine um another movie that we saw a very very long time ago um so whilst it is hard to sort of remember the specifics of it, I can still remember the feelings that this film gave me more than anything when we watched it. Mm. Um, and that movie is Titan, which obviously came out in the States beforehand. Um, this was one of those movies that kind of had that, you know, waiting gestation period where we just heard all these good things mm. and we really wanted to see it. And you always worry about those types of films because you know that so many people love it. We we knew, obviously, that the director, Julia DeCorno's previous movie, Raw, was something that we both really enjoyed. Um, and it was the unofficial number 11 of its year. And it's one of those ones I do feel sad about because I think Raw is an exceptional movie yeah, that absolutely deserved a place. Yeah. yeah, like it absolutely deserved a place in our top 10. Um, and I think nowadays it easily would have done. And so I'm so glad that, that her follow-up delivered on that um, because, yeah, Titan isn't even really a movie. Like no. it's a journey that you that you take for better or worse. Um you start in one place and i feel changed by the end of it like i still remember that feeling when the credits were rolling yeah and i just didn't i didn't move because i was like what do i do now like now that this film is over i i feel like it consumed my every thought i know and when it, i was watching it like it starts in a place that's already like batshit crazy with her and the car and everything what mm. happens and you kind of think like that is going to be the you know, the crux of the movie, we have this like backstory of her and obviously like her injuries and stuff. And then we have like this crazy flip of a switch when she goes on like her, um, you know, I guess kind of run away and, and ends up getting adopted by this firefighter. And like that mm. whole like part of the movie is just so weird where she's hiding this pregnancy from him and pretending to be because it was his lost son, wasn't it? 
Yeah, she's like, like hiding her gender uh, yeah. and her pregnancy whilst also pretending to be his mistress, yeah, like his like, loved one. So, so crazy. And like some of it, like, you know, it, it was just so offsetting to like see her do that to herself to try to pretend to be his son, but also just like, yeah, the whole interaction beyond that, like everything about it was unsettling. That Yeah, the dialogue and the visuals, and it was just a very yeah unsettling very strange experience one that we've not had you know in any time kind of recently really i think like this movie is a very standalone weird thing that happened <laughs> yeah for sure and i think the only thing you can really compare it to is her previous film and and so i love that that we have yet another one of these different voices that is on my radar now like i will watch whatever she makes next and i think that it's mm. Uh, you never know. This is what I love about these really unique directors is that you never know if it's going to land with you or not. But what you do know is it's something that you have to see. Like you have to get an opinion on it. You can't just go, oh, yeah, like like Jennifer Kent is another perfect example where like I'm going to want to see whatever she does next. And I have no idea if it will land for me, but I know that it's something that deserves my time. Like there's there's so many movies that you go, well, I don't really need to see this Netflix new take on a thing, you know, like whatever this is, you know, it's going to be so devoid of personality. The these movies are not they for better or worse they are some of the most unique stuff being put out there and i think yeah i think both these movies land but titan in particular with the visuals with the with the art style and the the lead performance as well as something that was basically a rookie you know someone that had really not done major motion pictures before and for them to kind of throw themselves headfirst into this role it's one of those mo- like those performances where it really feels like they changed part of themselves while filming it yeah um which was just a magical ride so yeah i it titan will like probably never be a movie that i'm actually in the mood for but that one's yeah but that one singular journey is is worth noting it's so noteworthy and it's a movie that yeah it's not your entertaining go-to horror film there will be plenty of those in this list but if you just want like an experience that you need to feel you have to see titan i think that's the thing you know we've just spoken about scream and you know with scream it's exactly what you said if you know what you're going to get from that movie and if if you've seen other screen movies you know they're not for you then maybe don't watch that one like that's fine but like with with titan you have to at least give it a go because it's that that crazy yeah for sure yeah um but next on the list is a much more recent movie that we saw um Mm. uh the one and only bones and all um which if you'd have told me like an hour before we were off to see that in the cinema that it was going to make our top 10 and arguably want to be like, you know, like just one of my favorite experiences of the year, like seeing that movie and kind of the performances, I think kind of <clears throat> everything about the setup of it made me think I wasn't going to be into it. And then within the first, you know, five minutes of the movie, I was 100% sold. I think kind of, um, you know, our lead character, Marin, they do such a good job of giving given her story time to develop but but not take the piss with the screen time the movie really just starts at a rocket pace you know we get we get to see her we get to see her at the sleepover kind of you know having having an outburst and from then on she's on the road and she's kind of getting her story told to her via her father's videotapes um um sorry uh, tape recordings and kind of, you know, a very video gamey way of telling the story. But I think it worked so well in this movie because it it didn't waste our time. You know, we didn't have to have a 20 minute 
set up. We didn't have to have a giant flashback. We just had these little caveats of her within these moments, sometimes with characters, sometimes on her own, whatever, getting more of her story and then kind of getting a picture of this world and kind of what she is and what the people are around her that also have this kind of um, lust, I guess, or drive within them and kind of, you know, I think that was great. And then obviously when we then get introduced to kind of Solly and his character, you know, very early on, he, he was, you know, such a standout this year for me where the second she's at the bus stop in the rain and kind of, he just is he calls from like um, um, so far away just starts to call mm. her and come <laughs> over and it's such this foreboding like you know you you feel instant instantly like she's super vulnerable in that scene even though they're out in the open and he's far enough away you just feel like she's cornered already and i think that's such like a, it's a such a difficult thing to pull off you know normally it would be that she is in this alleyway and he kind of stands over and then she has nowhere to go, but she could, she could easily run away in that scene. Um, but you felt like she was trapped. And I think from that moment on, Sully was just absolutely unbelievable. But the thing about this movie is that when Sully disappears and doesn't you know, come back for a while, the movie doesn't suffer. The movie still continues to be strong. You know, we, we get the introduction of Lee and, I I really loved it. I think I, you know the the story really delivered for me, and I felt for you know there's there's a lot of movies where I kind of you know I either don't feel satisfied by the ending, or I kind of you know want a bit more explained to me, or I kind of have a little nitpick there. Whereas with this story, this story it told me the story it wanted to tell, and I thought it told me it perfectly. It was exactly what I wanted, and the conclusion was was perfectly enough for me. Um, which I think is, is a is a very rare thing these days to, to actually achieve. And, and this movie definitely delivered on that for me. Yeah, this was just such a great time. I, I just have nothing but positiveness when I think about this film because it was very different to a lot of the horror films that we see and that it's not it's not presented as a horror film even mm. though like it absolutely is based upon <clears throat> the content based upon exactly what the film is about um you know and the world that they're building but it's it's trying to actually cater to a different audience which i think is interesting it's kind of got a a level of artistic merit which feels like it's probably trying to win awards it's kind of got like a big star in a role so it feels like it's appealing to a mass audience even though kind of what this film is about just isn't a, a kind of a, would have have any sort of mainstream appeal um and so i think it, it is different you know we see a lot of films that feel catered to us and i liked seeing a movie that wasn't catered to me yeah that i really enjoyed because i was like oh this is awesome like i don't think they wanted me to watch this film but i do and i really like it um and i think that those yeah those standout moments with sully will stay with me forever because I, I think of supporting characters in horror and sometimes that can be really hard to leave such a huge impact. I think a lot of these stories and films, when you look at our top fi films of the last few years, they are such these like singular character driven stories. You know, we talk a lot about how it's like singular female lead who's experienced trauma and, and how like that has been such an overused trope, but it's so good because so many amazing movies have done it. Mm -hmm. You know, our favorite movie of last year did it. Mm -hmm. um, I think that, 
this isn't that this is something different it actually reminds me of like summer eight summer of 84 and how like that the 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 wayne mackie character in that i still think about him um to this day because it was so impactful to me and sully is in that category where he steals the show every second he's on screen and then the rest of the movie is equally as good um similarly to the other movie i just mentioned where you then go oh no this is the story of the of this couple going on this adventure going on this road trip trying to find out about her mother and all this stuff but then when it circles back round in those moments with sully the movie just elevates itself continually over and over again and and also just gorgeous mm. like this film is out really stunning um i'll always give even a bad film a pass like you know i didn't really think dune is that special outside of the visuals but i actually like dune just because of how (laughs) gorgeous the movie is um and uh, but this is a you know a movie that i like overall and it's absolutely stunning and i'm so yeah i'm so glad we got to see it on the big screen i think so because when a movie looks as visually stunning as this and then it gets the blood splatter that this movie gets you know, yeah. um, there'll, there'll be a there'll be a movie that we talk about later that does the same. And I think kind of when you have that color palette and then you add the blood like it, it really does visually hit you. And I think that's what this movie does. You know, there's a couple of scenes where, it, you know, especially that first kind of Sully scene in particular, I think it, it really hits you and it really feels a lot more kind of violent because of it um you know the color lingers and and it stays there and 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 yeah it it really worked for me pretty like i say almost everything about this movie did yeah it's utterly fantastic um but yeah moving on to number seven um a movie that i'm so happy is in our top 10 because we kind of really didn't know what to do with this film for the longest time um and and now being here in the moment knowing it's in our top 10 just fills me with so much joy um and that movie is nightmare alley um i I think to kind of just piggyback immediately off that before we go into the actual film like we we saw the shape of water of course Mm -hmm. del toro's previous movie and which we loved but we didn't put that in a top 10 because we like we didn't feel it was horror enough we didn't really know what to do with it we we loved it um but it you know outside of that one episode it never really got it another moment Mm. whereas with this film um it was so much more horror focused than anyone let us on like that was the biggest surprise was i i kind of had a feeling i'd absolutely adore this film which i absolutely did based upon every other metric which is the the unbelievable um overall cast which is just outrageous how many amazing actors there are in this film and how they all smash it um del toro's artistic merit which i think there's there's probably only one other person on this list that even comes close to him Mm -hmm. um, in terms of that category. Um, So all of these individual elements that I know I'm just going to absolutely adore, but then it was so horror focused at times. Like it really gets dark. What the, what the actual story is about is super dark in these moments of, of violence and horror. And so that's why I, we, we couldn't not put this on the list where, yeah, it's probably lower down because it's not the most horror film, but like as a film that has horror, people have to see this goddamn movie. It, it is absolutely spectacular. And even though it is Del Toro, so in some ways it feels like, you know, it goes without saying, but we need to say it. Like this movie is so goddamn awesome. Everyone should see Nightmare Alley. From from the moment we start in this carnival, um, and we're kind of introduced to Bradley Cooper's character and him learning all the tricks of the trade and joining it. And just th- this movie's so dynamic because it starts in one place and 
even though it does become full circle, we then go to a completely different <clears throat> other area with other brand new characters that are introduced and they're all equally fascinating. And I'm, and this was a another movie that we say this a lot where there's a lot of great films that you know where they're going. Um, you know, you kind of see like, okay, I know we're at the end of the first act and I know the exact free act structure that we're going to follow mm-hmm. here. I had no idea what, what Nightmare Alley was truly about until about eight minutes before it ended. Yeah. When it, when it suddenly clicked and i was like oh shit this is the whole point of what they're telling with this story and i and i it was just one of those like hallelujah moments where i was like this was entertaining throughout and i absolutely love it but now i've got this payoff and i'm like oh del toro man like you are a genius he he is an absolute genius there is a only a, a i can count on one hand the amount of people that have ever made films that i would describe with that word he is absolutely one of them he he's a magical director to me who just makes me think i'm not watching a film that that's kind of the biggest thing is that we see the construction in a lot of films because we have to you know talk about them critically but nightmare alley and, and his films i don't even want to think about them like that i just want to put them on and be completely transported and that's what i do so yeah this this movie is so so awesome yeah for sure i think kind of you know like you said the 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 opening of the movie and kind of the opening parts when we kind of get the whole carnival or circus, whatever you want to call it, and kind of this traveling kind of roadshow and, and you get all of this kind of, um, you know, behind, behind the curtain kind of how, how the, how the sausage is made of, of these things. And kind of like, I, I love that so much. And especially with this dark twist on it and you have kind of, you know, all of these things and the, the mentor and kind of everything that goes down and kind of, you know, I think all of that was so fascinating. And I was the same as you, where I was like, I was enamored by everything that was happening. But I was also kind of like, what, what is the movie going to be like? You know, what, what is the rest of this movie? Because this is just kind of the, the setup, if you like. And it's so, it's so long. And kind of when we actually then get into kind of, you know, especially when you've kind of seen a chunk of the movie and there are certain actors in the movie that you know are in it and they're not they've not rocked up for the first half an hour you're like what's going on here um even longer than that i think yeah, like, it's yeah, crazy. Probably, probably yeah and kind of then when we get into the kind of second you know the, the the second half of this kind of story and kind of you know everything about that like you say it's kind of molded so perfectly it's very kind of noir and, and horror driven in that respect and and just the performances that they're, they're really there really isn't a standout like which is which is the thing that's crazy because everyone just knocks it out of the fucking park mm. like you'll have people that are only in like two scenes of the movie and they're exquisite and then obviously you have people like bradley cooper that are just incredible throughout but you know th- there are moments with with you know kate blanchett where i'm like oh man the chemistry between those two but then like the mm. first half of the movie with tony collette was incredible yeah. you know and you just don't know you know where where actually kind of you know the best performances and chemistry are because they're all just absolutely knockout and like you say with um with del toro kind of his last few projects it's just that he really is on a level where it's kind of you know just just making this this mad shit that is always delivering and kind of like you say it's not it's not this conventional kind of measurement of it you just know that you're going to see something that's incredibly well made and well crafted when you see his work and you know it's part of the reason you know when we spoke about his tv show this year that 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 also was the same that it just 
it carried a bar that was such a high level of quality straight away. And I think that's exactly what you look at with, with Nightmare Alley. And, you know, for a movie that's two and a half hours long, where I found myself wanting more story filled in, just shows how strong that movie is. Yeah. God, it's crazy to think about that because it, it just doesn't feel long in the slightest. No. No. But, yeah, so next up, just missing out on the top five, which really does hurt me because I fucking love this movie, um, is Barbarian. Um, Barbarian is a movie that kind of had infinite amounts of hype with knowing zero about the movie um, to a point where I don't think I've had that for a movie for the podcast almost ever. You know, we've, we, we would have seen some things, but we almost saw nothing of this and just kind of everyone was saying you need to watch it and kind of um, after watching it, I can completely see why the, the first kind of the first the first 40 minutes of this movie is perfection. I, I I almost think, you know, you could put the first 40 minutes of this movie up against any horror movie ever made um, and, it you know, our, our favorite horror movies of all time and it would be up there um it, it it almost reminds me of kind of the opening you know chunk of something like a texas chainsaw massacre where it's just kind of this sense of foreboding and um in a very different way but just this sense of foreboding and then suddenly you get this payoff that just hits you in the face and it's it's so well done i think kind of you know keith and tess and that whole the whole um what the hell is it called? Is, is it Airbnb? Yeah, well, what? yeah, she's yeah. from Airbnb yeah. and his is another thing I can't remember. Right, yeah, but he, whatever it is, where they're both rented this this house at seemingly the same time and it's been double booked, like, is the most perfect setup for a horror movie ever. Like, it, it's so perfect in, like, this modern world. It's It's the sole reason why I've never booked one of these things, <laughs> where I'm like, how do you know that the per- – like – you stay in a hotel and for some reason you trust that they check the room. They don't fucking check the room. But you trust that with a hotel. But with an Airbnb, I'm like, there's no chance. There's no chance I want to stay in one. Whoever was in there before is still clearly going to be there. They've still got the code. Like, they're coming in. And, and, and like, yeah, it's been made into a horror movie. And I think kind of what this movie did was it, it played on that to perfection where it knew that's what I felt. Like, it's almost like it knew that I felt, like, strongly that way um, because it, it plays on it to the, you know, to the nth degree. And I think with with Bill playing Keith, it, it, it's the perfect casting because we know what he can do as, a, as an actor, as a horror actor. So we're watching that character and we're like, don't you go fucking Pennywise on us. Don't you dare, Bill. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's what makes it perfect because the movie, again, knows who they've cast. And, and it knows what it's playing with there. And I think, um, you know, that that roller coaster of those 40 minutes and as it gets worse and worse, as they start to discover these kind of rooms and other things, like it's just like there were so many scenes where I found myself screaming. And, you know, I, I, I really get like wanting to vocally shout at the screen watching a horror movie. And this one did multiple times where I'm just like, don't put a bloody chair or like an empty jar and to keep a door open. Like that's clearly not going to work. Like, you know, don't, don't rest a mirror, on, you know, with nothing holding it up. It's just going to slide away. There were so many moments where I, I was just screaming at the characters not to make a decision as they kind of plunged into madness. And I think, you know, 
it, it was perfect. And and when we got beyond that, the movie doesn't go much less. Um, you know, suddenly we get people like Justin Long, who's incredible in most horror things he's in. And I don't know, just Richard Brake being Richard Brake. You know, <laughs> um, you know, a great performance from Richard. Very, very small role, but was pivotal. I, I, I wish that we had way longer with Richard in this movie, not just because we're Richard fans, but his character was so fascinating and cut show so short mm. that, I, that I, I felt robbed of it. But, you know, it's all, I'm criticizing the movie because I love what it gave me and I just wanted it to give me more, which is a, it is a good thing, but I do feel at times it did give a little bit less of what it should have, you know, Richard in particular. And then I think kind of, as we got to the final act of the movie, Definitely, I think, you know, if you were to put this movie almost into four four parts where you've kind of got, you know, three different sections with three different characters and then you've got the combination of it as a finale, I definitely think the weakest part of this movie is the finale. And, and you know, that is the, that is the bit that, that's in your mouth at the end of the movie. It's what we spoke about with Bones and All, where, for me, that movie 100% delivered on its finale, whereas this one, fell, fell, it didn't disappoint me but it just had the odd moment that took me out of it. And I think, you know, when we actually look at this list now, and I think years gone by, we had movies in here that were in like the, you know, seven, eight, you know, territory that that were kind of ones that we just wanted to kind of champion a bit and put in there. Whereas this year is so strong. When I look at something like Barbarian, you know, being not in a top five, it, it blows my mind. And, and, and it is because this year is so strong, consistent that we have to then, really look at the minor things that we didn't like and and that's how it just missed out on the top top five unfortunately yeah i also think this is the the last one really of like mm-hmm. when you look at that top five I, which we'll get to obviously I, there isn't there isn't anything i don't like about them so mm-hmm. barbarian is the best of the films that i do have issues with mm-hmm. um i rewatched this movie in the past week because i really didn't like coming away from it and obviously we had our kind of interesting review on it but i still wasn't sure how i felt about it because i loved so much about it but there was things that i really didn't like and i'm so glad that i rewatched it because the things that I didn't like weren't as bad on rewatch. Mm. Um, I completely agree with you that I don't think the ending is strong. And I think that is the last sort of six or seven minutes just as weak. But I think everything up until that point is brilliant. I think that the start, obviously, um, between sort of um, Tess and Keith is the strong point. But equally, the other moments are so good. I think when they do that transition to justin long justin long's character especially with the way it ends with keith and tess is yeah. such a jarring moment that is just fascinating on rewatch again to be like oh man this was such a ballsy thing to do and as you're waiting there as an audience member being like how is this gonna mean anything and when you first hear that like oh you have these these properties in michigan you're like you're like oh here we go and you kind of then starting to figure out why this guy who's this famous actor who's being accused of sexual assault like why is this relevant to anything um and then once again once the shit hits the fan then then hard cut to this random guy buying diapers in a supermarket in what looks like the past like why does this mean anything and the way it all ties together is awesome i i love this movie for just the amount of ideas it throws and for most of them really landing um 
I agree with you that, like, again, I know we're Richard Brake fanboys, but he isn't in the movie enough. And I think it's it's twofold. It's one, the other two are equal in terms of their screen time, whereas his is clearly the lowest. And so that's why it feels lower. But the other part is there's like two moments that are frustrating on rewatch which is when we first see him kind of do his whole go in the ha- house of the person and undo the latch and leave the woman that he's stalking and then he goes home and he goes into the basement and when he opens the door we hear screaming and then it hard cuts back to the present that bit's frustrating but even more so is when justin long's character finds him later on as a super old man yeah. and he sees all the videotapes and it's like and the one he puts in says gash station redhead and you're like oh shit we're gonna see this like snuff film that richard made in his heyday we just don't see it it like i I need that prequel yeah we cut away to something else and then when we come back justin's like oh you sicko and then that's when he shoots himself so it's like to me there was these two obvious moments of horror that the movie either didn't have the budget to film either cut for whatever reason and i i hope that there's a version out there that will somehow restore this if that is the case but i think that's just wishful thinking but yeah those are the moments that are frustrating but my god are the things that are so strong and i think in terms of casting like our characters are cast so unbelievably well done um in all their roles in terms of what we know about bill skarsgård richard brake and justin long all three of them in the history of horror and what they've done they Mm. all kind of subvert your expectations in different ways um which i find fascinating like obviously bill being the main one of this amazing setup like you said you know just so creepy i even love that it's two different apps of like that yeah that could easily happen that you could put yourself on airbnb and the, and the name of this other app that escapes yeah. me and no one would really know and and even like the, the thing the comment that justin long's character makes later on where he's like well you guys don't check when someone leaves you just check before the next person arrives like that's such a shit system like i just love that moment as well yeah. um and or bill skarsgård's character when he's or keith when he's like trying to offer test the wine and, and all these little moments like it's just so well done up until you know that he's not a piece of shit i think it's it's 40 minutes of is he or isn't he terrible is he or isn't he going to do something to Tess? Is is she or isn't she an idiot for kind of one coming into the house, two kind of liking him? Like when she goes for her job interview and she's like looking at the photo she took of his part of his um ID, sort, so of, weird. Sort, of, sort of lovingly, where she's like, oh, she's fallen for this guy now. Like, is this well, going to? The fact that she goes back there, like she stayed the night, she got out of it, and she goes back there. You know, there were, you know, she she was free. She exactly. Was back in the real world. So there's just all these moments, and like I say, they are these moments as an audience member where you're like, what are you doing? Like, get out of there. And so, yeah, they just, they play with conventions so well. I, I think the, yeah, the highs of this movie are so much higher than a, than a number six film. No, yeah. Um, but it does have things that just aren't as good. Um, you know, it's Doctor Sleep Syndrome, as we kind of coined it at the time. Like, sometimes that is just the case, where I love the movies that are more consistent throughout tonally, and there was already movies that we've discussed that absolutely were whereas this is a bit more of a you know heart monitor going mental in terms of its highs and its lows but it's as an overall package i still think it's fantastic and it was the way it was presented is also another way why this movie was so good because i just really wish that was how everyone like the way barbarian was presented in terms of me doing this podcast i wish every movie that is worth talking about was presented mm. where it's like hey guess what you should talk about this movie it's noteworthy for one reason or another check it out and that's all i need to know i don't ever have to watch a trailer i never have to know who's in it what it's about like that is 
so that is heaven to me um yeah. and it's obviously not the way it works in the slightest we normally have to do at least some level of due diligence so we're not just well, it's so rare to, to be able to trust that that's the thing yeah. like it but it just for some reason with this one it felt right it felt like everyone was saying it and they weren't just saying it mm. it you know it, it really did feel that way and i think you know when we did our review of it we you know, we we were as cautious even, you know, when the movie's out there and, you know, we wanted to make sure that we spoke about it and we did go into things, but we put up a warning. And even even during this time, like we've not gone crazy into things because I think, you know, it, it really does deliver like on, on this promise of just not knowing. Yeah, for sure. Even though we pretty much talk spoilers in a best of, yeah. we, we try not oh, to spoil yeah. at the very end of films, but yeah, we have no. to like talk about them a bit more. Also, as an aside, um, Barbarian is on Disney Plus in the UK, if you've not crazy. already seen it. I know, it's so um, crazy. I know, I'm going to definitely check it out again very soon yeah for sure it was it was a great rewatch um but yeah moving on to the top five officially now and yeah i think this is when you get to a point now where honestly i think any of these movies could be in consideration for number one and and i think at a certain point i certainly have seen all these movies right at the top of my own personal list um Mm -hmm. because they're fantastic And, and i think this also shows this year overall it doesn't have this kind of big shadow looming over it. Like I remember like the lighthouse is the perfect example in 2020 where it was just so much better than everything else that, mm. it, that it was weird. Whereas this year is just consistent. We saw some really fantastic movies and it will just purely be based upon personal preference and which ones land better than others. Um, and so, yeah, the next one for us is Pearl at number five, um, which is difficult to talk about. Um, <laughs> because it's a prequel to a film which we cannot mention just yet um but of course that is a major aspect as to why this movie's so good um but the, yeah this was a joy you know hearing about this um and being like wait they made a prequel what is this a real film is this a joke like i almost thought it was like a machete type thing where they just made like yeah. a trailer and then it was a case of wait is this is this shot is this in the can or is this i ty west wants to shoot this and it's like no he apparently and again i still don't know the full story which i kind of don't want to at this point i kind of just want to live in a world where i don't fully know like the actual history of the production and whether these movies were shot like back to back simultaneously like was there like a three-month gap because obviously they reuse you know sets and locations and and things like that which i find interesting um but once we actually knew pearl was a thing we had to wait for this movie you know we we saw it a while after the movie did it was a prequel to and so it was a case of oh is it still going to land after all this time and it just massively did i couldn't believe how um consistent the quality was and kind of being reintroduced to the character pearl but in a completely different setting um and i think ultimately as a horror film it's a very simple premise that people can get behind which is a person being stuck in a location that they don't want to be in um and doing everything in their power to get out of it and i think that is as as simply as you want to put it that's what this film is about um and to see kind of the struggles that pearl's going through looking after her um you know elderly father her like almost abusive mother um her kind of friends who aren't really her friends this like distant husband in another country fighting a war in the middle of a pandemic there's just all these fascinating layers that are all surrounding what is the the movie is named perfectly because this is just pearl like this it's the story of pearl and that's what this entire movie is about it is a character piece for sure you know i compared it to joker in how i felt about it where i actually think this is a better complete movie but that was my one issue with the film joker which i think is a great film was at times i felt like i was just watching an amazing 
character study slash acting reel which was exceptional but i think as a complete movie it was missing a few elements whereas pearl is that it is maybe the best acting reel we've ever seen in a horror film for an actress um truly like i can't think of another horror film that is more of a showcase of someone's talents than what pearl is for mia golf like it's just unbelievable um but i actually think as a complete film it works it it has a character arc that has a a sort of a definitive end point which is great for this character kind of where she's going like she has this goal she has this this um audition that she's preparing for and the way that unfolds the way it goes poorly and the way we know what we knew about this character from the previous movie how she would react in these these pressure cooker circumstances the movie just delivered massively where it is a ty west movie but he's figured out how to somehow make the first half as interesting as the second half and i think that's why he is now an unbelievable filmmaker because before he didn't have that balance as strongly but he clearly has nailed that balance now where he and it obviously ultimately comes from characters like you need amazing characters when you're not just giving us a bloodbath every every few scenes whereas he's like no i'll give you that but i'm going to make you love the characters first so then when i do horrible things to them or with them it's going to have so much more than an impact than it ever would have normally um so yeah and also just visually as we talked about on the time this looks like a, like wizard of oz like it's bizarre it's such a weird art style choice for a horror film and and i love when weird works so yeah pearl is so fantastic yeah my god there's so much to unpack about this movie like you say it's it's so hard not to talk about ty west in the year he's had and the fact that we're talking about a prequel to a franchise that didn't exist prior to the start of this year um you know it's absolutely obviously circle back to pearl if we need to (laughs) yeah but i also just think that this movie what's so strong about it is it 100% works as a standalone thing yes if you know what pearl is in x it gives you that sense of you know where this movie's going which is always you know i i always find it fun i think kind of with with a movie when you kind of know that and you're you're waiting for that journey to unfold it's what horror does so well i think where it kind of you know ghost faces behind you but the you know the victim doesn't know like that's that's always the fun part of horror movies um and I think kind of, but, but like you say, with this, with this movie, it's so standalone and it is just this incredibly unique color palette and kind of way this movie is shot. And I think, you know, when you look at the opening scene of, of Pearl versus the opening scene of X, they're both so beautiful and they both set up tonally what that movie is perfectly. And it really is something that we don't talk about often when we're on, you know, we, we do a weekly movie review show, but we don't always get into the way that films are made and look and everything else. You know, sometimes it is just about the, you know, the meat on the bone instead of everything else. And I think actually with, with this, it's, you know, it really, you know, the, the beauty of how this movie is made and how it looks really does stand out. And it's my biggest takeaway from it. Um, and I think, like you said, what, what Ty has now done is he's figured out a, how to make his characters infinitely more interesting, but B, when we get to the horror, it really delivers. You know, the the some of the kills in Pearl have, have stuck with us since we've seen it. It's in the movie. And I think, you know, talking about bones and all and the color palette and how the blood kind of really hit you in the face, my God, does it in this movie as well, you know? And it it almost felt hyper real because of it, mm. where I was like, oh, no, that color... 
you know, that, that red shouldn't exist in a film that looks this beautiful. Like, do you know what I mean? It suddenly yeah. Wizard of Oz becomes a bloodbath. Like that's, that's <laughs> it just feels wrong, you know? And, um, although we won't unpack Wizard of Oz right now, but, um, <laughs> but yeah. And I think kind of, you know, that's, what's so great about this movie. I think the, the story of this is, is fascinating. I think the time period it's set in, I think he did so well with that. And yeah, I mean, you know, after seeing X and kind of going into Pearl, it, it almost felt like this was like Mia and Ty just got together pre X and was like, let's just try to figure out who Pearl is. And let's make a, let's make a, like a reel of that to show people to try and get funding for X. And then they ended up accidentally shooting a movie. Like that's how it, that's how it feels. Like, obviously it seems like it went down the other way, but it really does feel like this was just, either way just this happy coincidence when these two people just got obsessed with the character and couldn't put it down um and you know clearly that's kind of what it what it was born from and and what it became was was one of our most enjoyable movies of the year it is worth noting as well about that collaboration like i i don't think we've seen a collaboration like that for the podcast in terms of the on-screen and off-screen talent both coming together and forming this because yeah like Mia Goth had a writing credit in Pearl you know she she yeah. was part of this was a character that that Ty West created that he gave to Mia and they have now evolved this together and obviously will continue to involve it in another film in the future but like that is outstanding to me that is just such a, an amazing meld of minds where you don't necessarily think that from an actor you know typically they'll want this character to be given to them that they can then you know live out on screen and the director or the writer will hope that they're doing what they had in their head justice whereas actually this is now from both their heads together and she is just the physical embodiment of pearl so yeah, yeah. it just adds to the experience for me definitely definitely oh man next up number four mm. what a joy a this very, was a very, a very different type of film <laughs> very different film just a really fun enjoyable christmas movie uh <laughs> the one and only violent night um i mean i'm already just what, smiling thinking about violent night. i know what can you say about this one like I, I, instantly it's become a a christmas classic for me one that i know i'm gonna have to watch every year i think kind of you know david david harbour playing the santa claus on a mission to just fuck people up uh to, to you know bring some christmas magic to to a family you know what more do you need i think kind of you know so recently did we review this and spoke about it. Um, but, you know, so I don't want to just regurgitate those thoughts, but it, it really just delivered on everything. I think kind of every joke landed, every character's kind of funny thing, but also their story just landed and worked. And I think, you know, from from kind of, you know, David being Santa Claus to the all of the family, to the villains kind of, you know, in particular Scrooge, who was fantastic um and i think kind of every one of them played their role to perfection and then when we actually you know when when we were watching the movie it was one thing that i was so worried about that like okay this movie's super funny but it's probably going to be fairly pg with the kills and like it it goes there with the kills like we get some of the gnarliest kills i mean you know spoiler alert we the are kind of best death scene was our best death category was almost just violent night 
um because yeah, this, this was movie... pound for pound the best deaths of the, of any horror film this year no question yeah about and considering we got a terrifier movie this year mm. like that says it all uh, this one like every kill was incredibly unique but it also worked a from the rules that this movie set up and b because of where the characters were and, and what the situation was um you know it never felt farcical and, and crazy even though this is like you know santa claus fighting people um you know i believed every second of it and i think kind of those those kills will stick with me for the horror um element the the jokes and the laughs will stick with me for a feel-good movie and overall this movie will just stick with me for being something that we kind of we saw the trailer for it and we were excited and like hoped that this could just be a fun run and i think we had um was it black friday with bruce campbell yeah yeah, like that was last year, right? Yeah. And we were like, okay, Bruce Campbell in a movie called Black Friday, that's going to be quite fun. And like, it was quite fun. Like, you know, it, it basically, the bar that we set ourselves, it it barely cleared that. And, you know, I think with this one, we set ourselves a bar and we're like, okay, this this could be a really fun movie. We know David's awesome. He's playing Santa Claus. He can beat some people up. Cool. You know, but but this movie just vastly exceeded that, where it's just so well made and such great homages to horror, to Christmas movies, to just everything. You know, it really, really delivered. There's there's very little about this that, that it didn't deliver on its premise. You know, a a Santa Claus, you know, slasher um, home invasion movie like could not be made more perfectly than Violent Night. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, really. And I don't have too much to add. I think that obviously, because we spoke about it so recently, but I think that it's it's it deserves its place in this top ten because it's the one that is the you know arguably the most entertaining. Um, mm. And I think that it is it is easily the only one that's really trying to be funny as well. Um, mm. And we haven't had much of that. Like it's funny that obviously we had PG last year, but prior to PG, we'd never really had a a comedy horror that had featured so highly on a list before. And, and so for it to be number four, that is one of the best ones. You know, like it, off the top of my head, it probably is my second favorite. You know, obviously I have an unhealthy obsession with PG, and that's fine. I'm okay yeah. to admit that. Maybe, yeah. Um, I mean, who knows? We'll see when I get to the tattoo. We're finally, phase, we're but, finally um... got him to admit it, guys. Like it's, <laughs> it's taken over a year, but I think I think this is a breakthrough. This is a real moment. Like I'm, I'm pleased for you. Yeah, listen, it's just the first step, okay? Um, hmm. But yeah, with Final Night, it. it it like well like i said when we first said it it puts a smile on my face mm. just thinking about it i can't wait to watch this again I, I i hope to god that i can get it on digital services around christmas because i i just want to see it again now at I, home. Know, I need to see it again um, before like the whole christmas buzz is over definitely because i don't want it to just come out in feb because like yeah it'll no. be great but it, it's that is it's so key to to the period and and as we said as someone who i don't really care much about christmas films um in general but i think that this actually nailed so much about what i want from christmas films whilst also adding what i want from just films in general of like oh it's really funny um it's really christmassy and it's got such brilliant scenes of horror which is the real reason why it's so high is that yeah this could have easily been an oak like a funny film about christmas that had like oh he hits a guy in the face with a baseball bat and they fall off screen and then you never see him again yeah. it's like no he's gonna viscerously you know viciously tear apart someone 
it's going to go on for about five minutes him fighting someone and then when the fight's over you're still in that moment and still sh- concentrating on showing on it it's like brandon cronenberg made this goddamn film like, <laughs> it, like it's so incre- it's so crazy the way they don't shy away from the horror like i almost no, can't there, there believe are it. that are just there on screen post death for quite a while in this movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> There's a yeah, small use... head on fire that's slowly melting. Like, there's really not necessary. And they're used grossly, and they're used to comedic effect as well, which is what's <laughs> so brilliant because they're used for everything as well as Christmassy because it's all to do with these like hmm. different little takes on Christmas. And we we spoke about it in our review, obviously. But this take on Santa was something that I thought it would just be. Yep, it's David playing Santa. I didn't expect him to have some like crazy Viking backstory, which again is just it's so goofy and so fun. And it just, yeah, this movie's just fun. Sometimes it's all right if the movie's just fun and entertains me. This isn't anything like so many of the other true, like, artistic merit that so many of these films on this list have from, like, true auteurs. This is just an absolute blast. Um, yeah, going yeah, from Pearl to this just, just really shows the juxtaposition. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. You could write a thesis on, like, almost every different shot and sequence in Pearl. I mean, let alone the actual... There's, like, a 10-minute take at the end of Pearl where she's just talking and, like, it's unbelievable. Um, Whereas, yeah, this is just... No, this is just funny. Like, this will just get in, get out. It'll tell you a funny joke and you'll laugh and then you'll be like, oh, my God, this is so brutal and violent and it'll remind you what Christmas is all about by the end of it. So, yeah, awesome, awesome film exactly um yeah and like you say it is forever a christmas classic to me now like i don't i don't think i'll ever not want to watch this around christmas i really do um but yeah moving on to uh the real big boys now um and yeah, a movie that I have been championed all year since we saw it um in at number three underrated horror movie of the year without without a doubt yeah one of the most underrated horrors we've ever seen um but what unquestionably the biggest of this year still i I just don't know what people are doing um but luckily we're here to tell people about it is yeah number three it is fresh which you know it is weird how many different um or how much similarities this has with barbarian because Mm -hmm. it was a movie that was presented to us and we didn't know much about it. This is one that we took a massive chance on because my my typical horror circles through social media and websites that I try and gauge, um, you know, as little as possible because I don't want to know too much about movies, but I also need to know what's coming out to kind of formulate a schedule. And it mm. just came at the perfect time where there just wasn't anything. And it was a case of I don't see anyone talking about this except a couple of people that are, you know, potentially unreliable. So I don't really know where to go with this. And and it ended up being – I remember when it started and we immediately introduced this character and I was just in. Even before I knew about what the horror was going to be, we introduced to Daisy's character going on this annoying date. And I was like, oh, I'm so enamored with this. And then the second we introduced to Steve in the kind of meet cute in the supermarket, I'm like, oh, my God, this is so good because we're leaning into all these conventions again. Very similar to Barbarian, where as an audience member, we're, we're, we're shouting at all these red flags that, um, you know, our lead character just can't see because she's 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 falling for the charm. Um and we can't blame her, of course. But in that moment, you're just like, man, what what are you doing? You know, get out. And as we then kind of unfold and, and you know, when we get to the actual title card of Fresh and that's when the movie is like showed its hands about what it's about. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's when the movie elevates itself because it continues 
to entertain and to 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 scare and and to kind of have such tense moments i think when once you get that reveal of what he is and and his job and everything you're like okay how is this going to be interesting and the movie for me continued to answer those questions where i was like okay how does this job work and they they tell you exactly how it works and it's like well how do you get into this What, what is his take is does he kind of enjoy this these this delicacy as well and you get all those answers and then when we get introduced kind of to the to the family man steve and being like oh is this you know is this another guy is this a doppelganger it does the family know about it and again finding out all these answers i thought was such a good journey um it did follow that blueprint of get out almost to a t um which was you know i guess you could say as a negative because it's not the most original thing having this kind of like best friend follow this paper trail while the friend is like trapped in this situation but i still mm. thought they did it really well um yeah. and and i and i think that yeah it added to steve's character that he needed <clears throat> to do something when ultimately our lead is then trapped in one location but, yeah. but even that was like she was moving out you know she had moments where she was just given up and was and was ready to die but then she had moments of sort of profoundness where she was like no i'm ready to fight at this point and that was through the other girls that she was interacting with and like the notes she was getting in the magazine from previous victims i just it's so well crafted um just as, as an overall horror film and i think that's what frustrates me so much is i don't get why this isn't being championed like so many horror films we've seen championed which will deserve it but i'm like i don't get what anyone couldn't love about fresh every like from the performances from the story from the secrets to then the reveals just the overall package is is outstanding everything about this is an amazing horror film so yeah i i love fresh i've seen it multiple times already it's it's easily available on disney plus and i'll, I'll continue to watch this because it's it's just really, like you say, it's its own thing. And, it, and it's so cool that this was a similar-ish movie, I guess, to Bones and all. And I, at times, I didn't feel like I was watching a horror film. I felt like I was just watching this, like, romantic drama that then went away, just, just took the darkest turn humanly possible. Whereas, yeah. like, what is the worst-case scenario if you meet a guy online that you think is the one, but he mm. ain't the one? He certainly ain't the one. And, yeah, that, that was what I absolutely loved about this film. I think that's the thing, like, we've, we, we saw a, a movie at, at Fright Fest that tried to deliver on a similar premise, and it just didn't quite mm. pull it off. And I think, like, we've seen it a lot of times, and, um, you know, the whole kind of dating app and everything else. But, you know, she doesn't actually even meet Steve from that. Like, it is this meet cute in a supermarket, and it's so constructed, and, and you realize how constructed it is when you actually, you know, unearth what Steve is. And I think kind of... Um, you know what what is so great about it is that his character he he is don't get me wrong he is a villain but he he really does have this confliction with his victims where you know he he has to put on the charm and 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 work these moves and then you kind of can see that conflict in him and it's very strange to see that and then when you actually meet like his family and his wife and everything else it's it's so well made and i think with um you know with this movie it really feels like something that people should be talking about. This is like the new Silence of the Lambs or, or whatever, you know, like Sebastian Stan as this character is incredible and so great at playing both things. The, the charming guy, which we know he can be, but then just turning into this psycho and it's so well done. And, and yeah, when, when we kind of, you know, when we get these two characters and they meet and he says he's going to take her away and all of that stuff, we know as a viewer where it's going. 
Like, unless you don't know that you're signed up for a horror movie, you know it's going to end bad at some point. So when that when it does and it happens very quickly in the movie, and and yeah, and you suddenly realize you have like an hour and a half left of the movie. You're like, what the hell are they going to do for an hour and a half? Like, she's she's locked up. She's screwed. Like, how are we going to get, like, the story and everything else? And it, and it's done so well from her from her best friend and the other people that are that are um, being being held captive and, and you know, kind of getting these little parts of the story and these, you know, these moments with Steve and, and everything. It, it really, you know, it really doesn't kind of make you feel like the movie you know there's been a lot of movies that we see that feel like a short that's been elongated to a feature and and this could have easily been one of them where it's like okay cool there's a really cool opening and then we're gonna have to meander for a while because we've got a cool ending and it's like no no this movie doesn't do that one bit every part of this movie is interesting and i think the chemistry between our two leads also was just so good because even when they were victim and kind of you know capture her like it is it, still this this kind of you know connection it, it was it, it worked so well and it was almost awkward in a way where it was like th- there shouldn't be this connection anymore <laughs> like but but there still is and it was it was very well done and, and towed the line fantastically i thought yeah for sure but yeah um, there can be one runner-up can't they <laughs> They can, they can, and uh, yeah, this time uh, we get a real weird situation where we've already spoken about this guy, and he's in our top ten again. Mm. Uh, the one and only Ty West with his entry X. I mean, before we even move on to X, I mean, what a bloody year for Ty West. I mean, the man has been gone for so long from from the horror movie scene. And to kind of come back with X with this movie that we will talk about in a second, but then to, you know, follow it up with Pearl in the same year is just an absolute madness. Um, you know, one that we've never seen in our years of doing the podcast. And how often does has any director put out two feature movies in the same year? Um, you mm, know, it's, it's so it's so crazy. And both films to be not only in our top 10, but our, you know, in our top five is crazy as well. Um, I, I don't think it'll ever happen again. Um, no, I just can't see how it would, because how much time and effort you have to put into making a movie that is as good as these films, it's, it's criminal. It, it's unfair to everyone else to, to be able to do it twice <laughs> in the same kind of year. It is ridiculous because yeah, we've seen different kind of segmented films and stuff like that, which is, which is a different story, but to make two, movies that obviously speak to each other in different ways but they are just two standalone of the best horror of the entire year and the the fact that the same guy made them both mm-hmm. is is just ridiculous let alone it's someone who has you know had a he's had such an interesting history not only in the horror genre but with us like he was a guy that was in this kind of the new face of horror we didn't like a lot of his early stuff. It wasn't until The Sacrament when we were like, okay, this is cool. We like this. This is a good film. And then he basically stopped making horror movies for almost a decade, um, which now feels like a travesty. And I don't want to necessarily think about the past because I think, man, what what we could have had in, in the previous years. But boy, is he making up for lost time, isn't he, with these two films? Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, being that prolific, you just got to be grateful that he's back and back in the genre firmly. Um but yeah, kind of moving on to X, I think like in comparison to Pearl, this movie is just an unequivocal horror movie. You know, it's such a a simple kind of premise, but one that that 
is is explored so well where we've got this group of kind of young filmmakers that are setting out to kind of make this adult film and kind of their characters are just very you know very interesting because it could be so one-dimensional but the fact that we have kind of the camera guy with with his girlfriend and kind of that dynamic and and everything else i think kind of all of that works um you know so well and then we get kind of um Pearl and is it um is it Howard or what's the husband called? I forgot his name now. I can't is remember. Is he like the or the producer slash financer guy? No, no, no. The 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 husband, Pearl's Pearl's husband. Oh, I can't remember actually. I think it's Howard, okay. but I might be wrong. Look. Um, but yeah, when when we kind of get introduced to those two, oh, yeah, and, and mainly it is Howard, is it? Yeah, and, and him yeah. namely straight away, and it's like okay, he's fantastic because he's like instantly shoving a gun in people's faces and threatening them even though they've paid good money to be there and at that moment in time he has no reason to, to hate them and it's like oh mate when you figure out what they're up to you're going to be really pissed because you want to kill them now and they're just paying guests right now um <laughs> so i think that's great then then kind of you know as things start to unfold it's just um you know it's done so well and kind of that build up to the kind of first night and, and inevitably the first death. And it's one of the most brutal deaths that we've seen all year. And it's kind of, it's captured so well with the, with the headlights of the car and everything else. It, it really does deliver. And I think kind of um, that kill, I think as well for a Ty West movie, that kill happens early in the movie <laughs> mm. <laughs> and, and definitely for Ty. And I think at that point, like we know what we're getting and it's kind of, Again, like this, you know, you've got a group of young, like, really, like, strong, in-shape people against two, like, very old-age pensioners that are quite frail. And it, and it's kind of like, well, how is this going to work? And, and it's played so well where they kind of, you know, they, they get them picked off slowly. And it's not like this farcical, suddenly Howard can, like, sprint across the field like, you know, Jason when no one's looking at him. It's like, no, no, he's an old man that's, like, just just going to be wily and, you know, he's going to, he's gonna you know, trick you or just, you know, you're, you're going to have a gun in your face. There's not much you can do. Um, mm. And so I think, you know, all of that kind of works so well. And and ultimately, yeah, the whole movie really delivers. The, the opening scene really stuck with me, how visually kind of we get this kind of, you know, the, the, the camera kind of going through the, 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 the barn doors and then we get to see what has unfolded from the, you know, the post-crime scene of the movie we're now about to watch. Like, it's... We talk sometimes about movies where something like Don't Breathe, for example, was one of our favourite, you know, movies we've seen for the podcast. But the, the opening was annoying because it was yeah. unnecessary. You know, it was just this weird, like, throwaway <laughs> opening scene. And... and Easily, that's what X could have been, but it, but it wasn't. Like, it really was just this incredibly well-crafted scene that, that told us what would happen in the movie, but didn't give anything away and just kind of made you go, Christ, like, I really don't want to go down that basement and what the fuck happened out on the porch, you know? And, and I think that was fantastic. And, um, yeah, very, very little that you can say negative about this movie. Um, also, like, you know, the, the, the alligator crocodile whatever it is scene was was fantastic and just had this like unnecessarily tense scene uh, with 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 um mia's character swimming that that really didn't need to happen 
be, and it really made me feel uncomfortable as it was going down. Like it, it, it felt like it was actually like I was just watching um, them filming it, and I was scared for Mia as opposed to her character. <laughs> I just felt yeah. terrified for her. So yeah, it was such a good movie. Yeah, I absolutely adore this film so, so much. Um, I think that I have to say that I really couldn't choose between these last two films at all. Um, and so I could see either of these two being my number one or it is kind of a joint for, for me anyway. Obviously not for the podcast overall, because what I what I loved about X was, yes, it does have the artistic merit of a lot of these films that we're going to talk about. And I think in terms of Ty West kind of directing all of these fascinating shots that you've covered um, and all these interesting moments of character and the way it kind of unravels with Pearl in the stuff with this young crew. But I think for me, it's also the most entertaining and fun horror movie of the year. And I really wanted to give him credit for that because I think, especially with this being like an A24 film, they're, they're typically the more arty stuff, the more slower stuff, like Men, for example, that I don't think is the most entertaining, even if it is an incredibly well done and artistic. And, and obviously we love that because it's it's something that stands out it stands out a lot when you watch a lot of films like we do that when you see something that is made with such a level of craft i think that's why we gravitate towards those movies more because just seeing something that looks visually different to what a lot of films typically look the same it stays with us but i think ultimately ty west can do that and also make an unbelievably just fun entertaining movie that's the word i always go back to i love that this movie is about a group of people in the adult film industry and if if making that movie in 2022 most people's stories it would cater towards the negative because mm. there is stories to be told of course there is there's a whole host of stories to be told in that industry that are going to be negative on the performers and the people that are unfortunately used in that industry but i love that that's not what the point of this was this was this wasn't a, an entire takedown of hollywood and all of this this was just a group of friends that were having a good time that wanted to make this movie that had dreams and aspirations of making it big and they nailed that tone throughout for me it never want like i was so worried that it was going to change that someone was going to feel uncomfortable or it was going to switch somewhere and we were going to have one of the maybe the male characters be more villainous but they they ultimately stayed true to who they mm. were throughout the whole film they were just they were all in it for what it was and they were all having a great time and that was just the backdrop to then be introduced to what the actual true horror of the film was which is mm. pearl and howard and you know them feeling like they didn't get to have the youth and the and the lives that they wanted and feeling that overwhelming jealousy for these for these young people that have got their lives ahead of them and they want to just take that from them um and but and yeah again to do that to have to have like really good messaging and really amazing artistic merit in i think a movie that is so entertaining that, that this is a movie that i would that i would recommend for every single crowd whether mm. you want the kind of the more Oh, I want to watch the really art housey stuff, you know, that that really makes you think. That audience is also thrilled. But then also, like what we said with a movie like Scream, that is just entertaining. I think this is like infinitely more entertaining as a slasher, um, and just as a horror film, it's the most I think that will appease them, that, that will please the most people um, because of those scenes of violence are so good, and, and like the soundtrack, and just like the overall. There's just like a giddiness to this that I loved. It was just fun throughout. It just had such an energy to it. To, to me, the performances really jumped off the screen where I felt 
just an energy of, of happiness um, throughout the whole thing, even when it was then going to shit. Um, it was like, oh, no, this is this is just such a cool film. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if we've seen such an interesting merging of those two. Typically, it's one or the other. And I think this is kind of wild that Ty West was able to do this, because I do think Pearl is probably slightly more artistic because of the reasons that we said it's more of a character definitely, piece. Definitely is whereas yeah x somehow was still able to just be like you know we mentioned a lot of like where is the role for a modern slasher like is there even a role we've said that so many times on this podcast and you know oh can you still do it is it just kills you know do you get something like terrifier too that is just kills and and that's really it there isn't anything else of merit whereas x kind of proves that that's complete bullshit that you can make an artistic wonderful entertaining movie that is ultimately a slasher um and it and is easily the best slasher we've seen for the podcast. Um, but yeah, even after all that, it is not our number one movie. I was going to say, that's not number year. one. I know, <laughs> um, unbelievably so. Um, because, yeah, there was a big movie that we... I mean, I don't even know if we were necessarily as hyped for this like we were some other films. Um, but it was no. it was clearly going to be a big film for this year. But I, I, yeah, I don't think going into it, we thought this would have the impact it had on us when we saw it. Um, and that is, of course, Robert Eggers' The Northman, um, which, you know, we've talked about multiple times and rewatching it. But I think that Robert is truly in a class of his own right now. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I still can't believe he's making these films because I just don't know why he doesn't have every single studio, production company, script, actor, anyone in the industry. I don't know why everyone in the world doesn't want to kill themselves to work with Robert Eggers right now. Because to me, he is in that category of, oh, anyone would do anything to be in a Quentin Tarantino movie, you know, or a Christopher Nolan movie. And I think it's right there. It's Robert Eggers as well, because he makes stuff that is not almost not of this world i I, his last two movies i i don't even know if they were made on earth like i just don't i can't even fathom how much talent you would need and how much obsession into detail and how much creativity and originality that you would need to have to create to make the the lighthouse and then go and make the northman as the follow-up um truly mind-blowing i think it was it's crazy that it affected us so much because we said going in that we're not like fans of vikings or anything like that at this time period um and i think that was what was crazy is that i had a feeling this would be one of those films almost like the witch where i'm like oh yeah i respect it but i don't like it um but the fact that i adore this film at a time when i'm feeling massive fantasy fatigue as well where i'm trying so hard to not really watch stuff in a fantasy setting because we've just had so much of it recently um and i think that i said it at the time like watching this film made me wish i'd never watched game of thrones because i was (laughs) like oh yeah this is what i wanted game of thrones to be you know this is like authentic it has amazing characters it has unbelievable gruesome moments but obviously the the kind of overwhelming factor is just the way this looks and putting you in a time in a place you know i said that about with del toro and nightmare alley but i think when we watched the northman i remember leaving the cinema and being freaked out by seeing moving lights by seeing an arcade by seeing modern yeah. cars I, like i was so in, invested in that period. No. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, it just wasn't... 
I didn't feel like, and I was like, oh yeah, I was in a, I was, I, that was a film. And I'm like, oh, they got me in a way that I, I always feel like I'm just watching a film. Whereas no, I feel like I was watching the story of revenge of this guy, you know, destined to, to avenge his father, to, uh, you know, kill Filnor and to save his mother. It was just an unbelievable film i think yeah it has like basic elements it is a basic revenge story it is a you know a retelling of hamlet it's like it's all these things but it's it the overall craft from the set design to the cinematography to the acting performances it, it is unquestionably on another level to anything we've seen this year and, and we've seen amazing movies and we've seen incredible auteurs we've seen entertaining movies we've seen awesome performances but as an overall package somehow the northman still stands alone um which yeah i, I truly think now we, we've had some amazing people and and as we'll continue to discuss but i i don't think there's anyone on robert's level i, I just don't think there is now after these two movies i don't think there's anyone else that you can compare him to i really don't which is unbelievable to me yeah definitely i think in the modern time you know when we spoke about the peels and the flanagans and eggers and that like you know and the movies that we've loved but but yeah, with this one, I, I think it's when he, you know, as you said, kind of going into it, I felt like I I don't particularly like this sort of period and I already feel fatigue. And I knew that I had Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings coming out this year. And I was like, oh, Robert, why? Like, really? And then and then when it just the instant the movie starts, you're transported into in, in a way that you've never been transported before, where it's just dirty and disgusting and just difficult to live and i think like that that difficulty to, to firstly survive in the world and then secondly survive with the people that are around in that world is just just captured so perfectly and it, and it is the authenticity of the you know the the vision of robert and the people he has around him where every part of the set the costumes everything was kind of just meticulously made and 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 executed to perfection and and as you said you know at this point in time he's got to be an actor's dream because he's given the these actors kind of the these roles of a lifetime you know and and you know when we when we talk kind of um or you know with with this movie and kind of you know the the cast that he's got and kind of repeat you know returning people from his other movies and everything else but i think kind of you know, with with um, Alexander Skarsgård, like he he was he was born to be this role. You know, he he captured it perfectly, and from from start to finish, he just looked like an absolute monster that was gonna just just destroy everyone. But he wasn't this one dimensional character. You know, he starts the movie off being very one dimensional, just just you know driven by rage and and um revenge to the point that he'll just swim an ocean holding a sword in his mouth um you know uh, but the end of the movie with the conflict that he's got where he's really not fighting for revenge anymore he's fighting for his family's future um and i think that's fantastic that we kind of get this arc that i really didn't see early on happening you know i think the second we get him kind of infiltrating and and looks like he's trying to hunt and get the revenge. I thought it was just going to be a revenge story. And kind, kind of when, when we got kind of Anya's character turn up, I was like, Oh, hang on a second. What, what have we got going on here? And like, we got that added element. And I think that's what really elevated this. I think when we got the, 
you know the violence it was it was incredibly brutal and really worked for the time period that we're looking at you know where it's kind of you know that's what these people were just savages and and the brutality you know isn't um going to be shied away from people will just get decapitated in the street and and you know it's just um you know they will play sports that that just everyone on the pitch dies because that's just banter to them and and i think this captures it so well and and yeah for me the, the second kind of we we watched this movie i was like oh no like this this is this is like the best thing we're, we're gonna see and and it really felt that way for, for the year for me where it was um that there's just not a weak part to the movie the the only thing about it is you just have to be prepared to be strapped in because like you say when you watch this movie for the entire runtime you're in that world you know i i can see a time where a lot of these movies i could kind of throw it on and half do something or you know be you know my mind elsewhere or whatever but this one like the second it's on i'm like oh i'm i'm in i'm in the world and i'm i can't escape it um so yeah it it, it was so good and i think you know now the second he announces his next project like it's yeah it's going to be hyped to a whole new level for sure because not yeah. only is he one of the best kind of you know, like you say, if not the best filmmaker we've had in, you know, our run of a podcast, he, you know, I think, you know, we look at something like Rob Zombie, we get excited for a Rob Zombie movie, but then he announces that he's going to do like monsters. And we're like, what the hell are you doing, mate? Like, I I couldn't give a shit what Robert Eggers does next. Like he can announce any project he wants. And I know he'll throw himself into it so much that I'll 100% watch it. And and that's what's so exciting fascinating about him as a filmmaker to me is that it still wouldn't shock me if he were to release a movie that we didn't really like because i think Mm. he will uh, like i think i'll again i'll respect it much like how i respect the witch but i think i'm just so i thought the lighthouse was such lightning in a bottle that it just somehow worked for me on every level and i almost wondered if that would just be his one that would resonate with me on on a level um because i thought his stuff is so weird and so niche and then especially on paper where he's like oh i'm doing vikings it's like i just i don't really care about that um so i'm so thankful that yeah this probably i don't think i like it as much as the lighthouse but i love it so so much and it is still hands down one of the best films of the year um and and i'm yeah i'm I'm grateful for that because robert's next free projects might not be for me so so i'll always be thankful when there is one and now two that absolutely were for me that yeah you absolutely need to be in the mood for it this isn't a casual watch like some of these movies are. Almost most of the movies are, I think, are fairly casual watches. But this is like, no, you need to have everything done for the evening. You need to sit down. You need to watch this with the best visual and sound quality possible um, and just let this guy take you on a journey, take you on a trip. Um, and that's really what it is. It's it's truly a trip that I think, only, as I keep saying, only robert can make that that to me is the sign of a true auteur you can have amazing filmmakers you can have people that consistently make great films that we have a lot of them but to be a true auteur you need to be capable of making movies that no one else can make it's why quentin tarantino is who he is he's the only person who's ever existed that can make his films and i think the exact same way about robert eggers um so yeah an absolutely insane yeah an insane movie to end it on um we did have a, a few little stats here kind of 
looking back at previous top tens because we've never really done that and looking at kind of you know these guys who have been consistent in top tens so i did want to just give a brief shout out obviously the the main one being what we just touched upon is that robert eggers is now our first ever two-time film of the year winner um after winning it in 2020 for the lighthouse that is outstanding just as a quick aside like i think because of how many great filmmakers there are and how many great films we see every year even though we'll continue to see the same names in a top 10 the odds of getting two the number one I didn't think it would happen. I thought there would just be too many people that we love. There's too many Edgar Wrights, too many James Wans, you know, all these people that we love that we know, let alone like people that can just consistently put out great films and, and franchise entries. But for him to get two number ones for two different IPs, that's crazy. Like we we could do this for the next decade and that may never happen again. So, and for it to be back-to-back movies as well, just absolutely outstanding. Um, anyway yeah exactly um and then yeah we already mentioned obviously ty west becoming the first director to have two films in the same top 10 let alone top five um outrageous Uh, again i don't think that's ever going to be emulated again we shall see but i just don't see a world where that happens um because yeah you might release two films but for them to be this quality Mm. i i I, i'll say it here we're never getting someone that's releasing two films in the top five ever again not no chance that's just not going to happen um I think it's worth mentioning as well, just as an aside, that uh, Jordan Peele's absence here is noteworthy um, because his two previous films had obviously placed number two in 2017 for Get Out and number one in 2019 for Us. So it is worth mentioning, even though we don't talk about movies here that we that we don't feel deserve it. Um, he's not, however, the only director with two entries. Um, there are four other directors, in fact, with just two entries. Um, and these are all noteworthy in that they these were their only films that have been eligible so these four guys have only released these two horror films and they both made top tens um which was andy muschetti for his two it films obviously number one in 2017 number six in 2019 for the follow-up um of course our boy rob zombie had to be in there um sadly not eligible this year um but yeah uh 31 was number three in 2016 and free from hell was number three in 2019 all the frees there um always consistent Yes, he's always the bronze, bless him. Um, But moving on to James Wan, of course, The Conjuring 2, number 5 in 2016, and Malignant last year, and number 3. And then John Krasinski with the the only, I guess, well, Andy Muschietti with the two franchise movies. But um, uh, obviously A Quiet Place was number 1 in 2018, and the follow-up was number 5 last year. Um, And then, yeah, the last little bit of noteworthy is that there are in fact two directors with three top 10 films crazy because we're you know we're getting to a level now where we're talking about robert's got two we've got ty west two in this top 10 and top five but to have three in top tens um and this first one is mental because it's mike flanagan um which we talk about mike flanagan a lot but when you hear that name i immediately go haunting of hill house midnight mass <laughs> those are those are the two things let alone the fact that he had hush at number six in 2016 gerald's game at number four in 2017 and dr sleep at number four in 2019 so like and that's why i said when we talked about him in the news recently i just want to see him make a film like yeah. we've seen him do i think 10 out of 10 they both won t- best tv show of those years hill house and midnight mass 
I want to see Flanagan have another crack at a film because he, you know, number six, number four, number four. I think he's got a number one film in him. I really do. Yeah, um, I do. I think as well, so though, you look at that, that and, and, you know, he's the only director with five entries when you think of TV <laughs> is not eligible for our top ten, but he's won TV show of the year twice. <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> it's absolutely mad. It's why we always talk about him being Mr. Consistency, because it's just mm. crazy. Um, and then, yeah, the other one, the other director with three top three, uh, three top ten films is M. Night, who, of course, uh, we will Matt be seeing his return shortly. So he might be the first guy to get four. But, um, yeah, split okay, at number seven. Yeah, it will be interesting to see. Um, but yeah, and especially because a lot of these guys, well, we'll get to that in a sec, but number uh, Split at number seven in 2017, Glass at number nine in 2019, and Old at number eight last year. But yeah, looking at this list, obviously, like Flanagan, Krasinski, Juan, Zombie, Muschietti, Peel, Eggers, Ty West, none of these have got films coming out next year. So, you know, M. Night has a sort of a clean run at it, so to speak, in terms of the guys that have been the most consistent for us obviously we hope always that there'll be like big uh, guys that come back and return and obviously there are plenty of big directors like Ari Aster and plenty of people that have only featured mm. once that, that will have follow-ups next year but yeah I do think in terms of the consistent ones it seems like it's only M. Night right now so yeah he could he could be unprecedented and, and knock old Flanagan off his perch but then in terms of with Flanagan I mean he might just release like a trilogy of movies next year who knows yeah, with Amazon's you know. because you know. um, yeah, 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 yeah we saw him consistent in Netflix I'm gonna say even doing that Netflix money. Now he's got that Amazon money. <laughs> yeah, right. he's like, I watched that Lord of the Rings, and I heard the budget. So uh, give me <laughs> some money so I can buy the entire Stephen King estate, please, and thank you. Um, <laughs> no, he's going after that Craven estate. He's got that Amazon money now. <laughs> oh yeah, because you definitely need more money for that. <laughs> um, but yeah, but uh, we but before that, uh, we will move on to our special awards. Um, but yeah, we will take a quick break, and we will be right back. So yeah, this is our our individual awards that we give out every year. As we discussed at the start, we we have been consistent in never changing these for whatever reason. <laughs> for better one year, or less. one year we decided this is it. So yeah, um, we're doing it again. Yeah, and for some reason it's always the same order as well, <laughs> which I like. I love that. <laughs> Because like we end on best TV show, which I just don't really know why. We should probably start with that, but I'm not changing it. I love it. I, love <laughs> no. it. I, I didn't realize we did it the same every year. That's fantastic. Because yeah, so, it's like, why are the oh, acting um, categories in the middle? But who knows? Um, yeah, these were decisions like, that were made. Look, it's like the Oscars, you know. Because the thing is, <laughs> if you if you put the lead either at the front or the end, listeners know when to tune in. You know, whereas <laughs> with this, even though it's the same order every year, every <laughs> <time>. <laughs> yeah, absolutely <laughs> not. Yeah. That's why you've, you've ruined it now because now people know. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I definitely put it in a randomizer for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we're weirdly enough the same as last year. We're kicking things off with best surprise. That is surprising. Um, which yeah, I mean, we're not even going to define these categories. They kind of speak for themselves. Like sometimes they're open to interpretation. Obviously, this one is just a surprise to us for whatever reason. Yeah. And I guess we get into it when we discuss the entries. Mm -hmm. um, and lastly, yeah, we always have one definitive winner and two runners up in no particular order. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, shall I, do you want me to take one of the runners up, or do you want to pick one? 
Um, well, yeah, you go, you go. I think obviously for me, Fresh was a huge surprise this year, as we already discussed in our top ten, um, because no one was talking about it. No one continues to talk about it. What the hell's going on, guys? This movie's awesome, and and to me, it was a surprise because had I just gone based upon other people's reactions like i typically try and go off obviously there are multiple movies that speak for themselves that we'll always cover but there will always be at least i'd say half a dozen films that i have to gauge other people's reactions whether or not we should cover them and this wasn't one people just weren't talking about it and i and we really took a risk most of the time those movies are god awful thankfully this was one of the best of the year as our top 10 was so yeah as a surprise undoubtedly fresh deserves to be a runner-up here Definitely, definitely. Um, and yeah, our, our next runner-up is uh, Bones and All, which, um, again, you know, when we spoke about it in our top 10, um, you know, if you'd have said to me an hour before we went to see this movie that we'd be talking about this movie as much, it would have blown my mind because I could not have wanted to see a movie less all year. I, I, I just remember looking at the poster looking not not at the, the trailer but actually just seeing the trailer play when you look at it in imdb and just being like god this looks trash it looks <laughs> so tragic i was like it looks like this terrible love story that's just gonna have this bit of violence in that's got it an 18 rating i'm like she's gonna have some sort of horrible abuse or something and it's gonna be this romance story with this abuse bled into it and it's gonna be oh, it's going to be unbearable and it's over two hours. And I just remember like all of those things thinking like, oh, why are we doing this show? Like, I just don't want to do it. And then within five minutes being completely turned on it and having one of the, you know, best surprises of the year and some of the best performances we've had all year and and best horror that we've had all year. Hence why it's in our top 10. So yeah, it was just such a crazy surprise for me in that. Yeah, I I could not have wanted to see this movie less (laughs) if I'd tried and yeah ended up loving it yeah i think that those are really a two good runner-ups because they represent two different aspects of mm-hmm. a movie that we knew nothing about that it was just check it out or a movie that we actually thought we wouldn't like and we ended up you know really liking so it was really cool to see both of those mm-hmm. um but yeah our, our winner in the category is a moment in fact um which i think actually was uh what happened in, in recent years as well which is always fun but uh that moment was on television. It was in Stranger Things, and it was the Master of Puppets sequence involving one Eddie, um, which, oh you know, music played such a vital role in this most recent season. And I think especially especially the way they did it with Volume 1 and Volume 2, because when Volume 1 came out and it had this kind of <clears throat> Kate Bush-centric <throat> storyline... Um, with Max, you know, and it propelled it to the top of the charts and all this stuff. It was so fascinating and it was a great part of the story. It was a great song anyway, but the way they incorporated it was so interesting. Um, and, and so it was already like, I felt like the show had had its big music moment, which which typically does happen with Netflix shows. We, we know that a lot that they do like to rely on licensed music a lot. Mm. Um, and so it wasn't really a surprise that that happened, but they just did it in a really well done way. It wasn't just like, hey, we just got a popular song and played it in the background and, the, and that'll trend on social media. It, it meant something in the story so to yeah. then get to volume two and have this impactful moment with eddie you know this guy who is who is who's in love with metal music and and in love with D and kind of having this 
background to this character for him to have this moment where he plays the guitar to master of puppets um one of the greatest metal songs of all time um from a band who notoriously do not let people have their music whatsoever yeah um so you really do not hear metallica that often if ever in anything um was just a joy and 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 yeah the way they've embraced it outside of the show as well as a, as a huge metallica fan fills me with joy the crossover was just exceptional so yeah that moment for me i i've never popped harder in a tv show ever than when that music started i could not fucking believe it and i had to rewind it afterwards because i wasn't taking in anything i was just like what is going on am i are my ears deceiving me right now that this song is played in stranger things i just couldn't believe it so yeah it was it was an amazing show but that was by far the standout moment for me that i'll that i'll forever cherish definitely definitely i think like you say it kind of just came out of nowhere where it was leading up to this moment and you knew that that it was going to be fun but then for it to be that song in that moment was just it was just so fucking epic it looked so good and the second he played the first chords i was like holy shit and just popped like i haven't popped for anything that much all year for sure yeah it was absolutely outstanding but yeah moving on to best death um would you like to take one of the runner-ups man i don't even know where to begin with this category i think i think this year this category is is one of the strongest it's ever been oh yeah we we had so many it was the last one that we finalized for that reason we had so many that were in our heads for being big moments in films or just great deaths because i think a best death can be a death that's important or a death that is you know just just violent and crazy and over the top and and um yeah it can yeah, be it was, aesthetic it can be emotional yeah. response it can be multiple things yeah exactly and and i think like this year it was so hard to narrow it down and and yeah to get it to three um and then and then to get to two runners up and just one winner but yeah one of the runners up was uh keith in barbarian um which yeah this death kind of has it all really where it is an incredibly important death. It's the it's the realization that Keith is a good guy, and then it is this absolutely brutal death where he just gets absolutely destroyed by this creature that's absolutely terrifying. Like this, this scene scared the shit out of me. Like more than than almost anything in horror all this year, um, because this goddamn thing just runs out of the shadows and just annihilates Keith. And then it, and then we we cut to black, and we get introduced to a brand new character in a brand new setting, and we have to just live with that image and and live with the question mark about what the hell happened to our characters after that. I mean, we we know what happened to Keith; he doesn't have a face anymore. Mm. But um, but yeah, it, it was so brutal and and such a strong death, and and yeah, had to make the list. Yeah, and also just like killing off Bill Skarsgård that early. That, yeah. that to me, that was a huge shocking moment that I just didn't see coming. And and again, it it plays into why the is he or isn't he a bad guy? That's the moment you re- you then go, oh, he was actually a nice guy. Like, and shame he's dead. Shame his face is now smashed into a wall, and now Tess is even more fucked than we thought she was before. Um, so yeah, it just it nails that moment so so strongly. Um, but yeah, another runner up um, is from Violent Night, which was at one point about 80 (laughs) percent yeah about at one point this was basically the whole category um 
but we had to choose one and that one for me is the kind of star the the star and the lights in the face it's the entire sequence which for me is the perfect realization of what this concept should have always been which is okay it's santa right well what does that mean well what does santa have at his disposal well he has this christmas sack that is never ending that has all these presents in it and and to use that in a fulfilling horror kill which again what what is this movie trying to do it's trying to make you laugh it's trying to have awesome horror okay well how does it make you laugh you have the sequence of him pulling out present after present video game video game you know him saying why doesn't anyone ask for a molotov cocktail these days or a baseball bat like such a good joke and, and again it just lands in that moment but then the actual fight is like really visceral it goes back and forth um at a certain point like he's getting really fucked up and you're like how is he gonna turn the tide and then it is the finale of the moment of the star in the face being electrocuted setting on fire being burned alive it's so gruesome but then as we said it settles in that moment he sits down he wafts the smoke away which again is hilarious he then gets the walkie-talkie and is literally laying on the guy's dead burnt body while he's talking through the walkie-talkie like it's just so good and it, and it was a, one of those moments that yeah shows you why the film is so good the film didn't just cut away it continued to linger in that moment and it was like no we want to show you meaningful deaths that are funny and gruesome and awesome at the same time so yeah it it's like why is violent why does violent night work it seems like this is why that movie yeah, works sure. definitely definitely um but yeah and then we eventually decided on a winner and mm. um it comes from another top 10 movie this year um the one and only scream and it's the the death of wes and judy um this this scene was one of the best scream sequences. You know, I mean, it's 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 the best sequence of the movie, and and it and it stands up there with the great Wes Craven sequences, where we kind of we have these two characters, we have these we have multiple homages to different horror movies, we have multiple backwards and forwards. Where firstly, I thought both of them were in the running for being the killer. Secondly, I thought there's no way that both of them are going to die in this scene, um, if any of them. And the movie had already trolled us a couple of times where characters don't die, A, because they're not being attacked at all, or B, even when they are attacked. So it really did feel like people could escape Ghostface. And, and I think that's what exverted the expectations for this, where I kind of thought, oh, okay, they'll be okay. I was like, Where's where's is gonna be fine? This is just trolling and like Judy, they're not gonna kill Judy. I mean, she's just in a car. Like they're not gonna they can't get to her. Um, you know, very reminiscent of, of Cotton Weary and kind of Scream Three. Um and I think kinda when when we finally get kind of the final acts of it and kinda we get Judy taken out and I'm like, God, they've killed her, that's crazy. And I was like, Oh man, where's is one hundred percent the killer? like <laughs> he's definitely the killer like all of that was such a troll and they're showing him but he's the other killer and his accomplice has just killed his mom i was like that's 100 percent the case and then ghostface pops up and just stabs him in the throat in such a brutal way um i think it yeah it, it ticks both the boxes where you know it, it's a great meaningful impactful kill but also just incredibly you know crazy on screen um you know, it was just the way that the knife went through the neck. It was such an unorthodox, horrible, disgusting angle that just felt more more painful than it needed to be. You know, it was like, come on, you you can kill him, but don't don't kill him like that. That's disgusting. Mm. <laughs> so so yeah, and and so that one had to take the gold for sure. 
yeah for sure like for me this was the one sequence um of the whole film that really does stand up there as some of the best we've ever seen in this franchise and i think going forward um if the new film is to kind of achieve those heights they need to just look at the sequence and be like right why did this work so well um because it is everything that you want in a classic screen movie there's so much misdirection throughout the entire thing so many opportunities for where the kill is going to be that isn't there um which I think just keeps you on your edge of your seat throughout. I think the the entire psycho homage is something that I'll always pop for, and I can't believe that we've not really seen that in a Scream movie yet. Given how much of like Scream is taken from Psycho, it's kind of mind blowing. Um, and yeah, the importance as well of these two characters that we you know both really like. This is one of the few returning characters in Judy mm. from the franchise, reintroduced, and she's now got this son who's who now plays a pivotal role. Obviously, that name carries a lot of weight in this universe. You know, one of the more famous actors in the movie as well. Like it, mm. it was just a perfect storm of I didn't see any of this coming. There are very predictable moments in this movie, um, you know, w- which are downsides. But this is just unequivocally a high point. So yeah, I love this sequence so so much whenever i think of scream from this year i want to think about this bit i don't want to think think oh those killers were a bit shit i'm like no the wes and judy sequence god that was so fucking good um and yeah i want them to recapture this energy so so hard in the next movie um so yeah kind of moving on now to our performance categories which are they're easily like the most exciting because we live in an era of unbelievable performances in the genre but they're also the hardest to choose by far um because we just get a plethora i mean these are the ones that start with about 25 names on these categories and we we somehow have to like we get to a point where we just happen to eliminate people because we love everyone and and they all you know we just talked about a top 10 that is filled with amazing performances let alone there's so many standout performances in movies that weren't even in the top 10 yeah um which but yeah we get to our category we somehow did it um and yeah i think the first runner-up that's kind of worth noting is someone that we've talked about quite a bit is bill skarsgård in barbarian um which again not to go over it just very briefly is yeah he's perfectly cast it's all about this isn't as good if you're not familiar with who bill skarsgård is because it's the movie purposefully playing into that it knows that he plays a guy so so well and so for him to then be like no he's actually just the sweetest most innocent guy ever and he he probably could have been the one taken advantage of in this situation at a different you know time or place where there wasn't this demon woman living in the basement um so yeah his performance is great he's not in the movie that much but he what he does is he steals the show every single part of it and i and i really think that if if you have this exact same movie but that the the dynamic between keith and tess isn't as strong I don't think the movie works as well because the moment wouldn't yeah. work, which we wouldn't have the best death. The transition to Justin's long character wouldn't have feel, felt as crazy and have as much impact. So I really think it all centers on those, the dual performances, but particularly from Bill for me. So I think he's a worthy runner up in this category. Yeah, 100%. He, you know, he's not, it's weird that we have a, a best male performance for an actor that's only in like a third of the movie, but he mm. really is just sensational for that part of the movie he's in definitely um and yeah i i can't believe he's a runner-up in this category but Mm. we we can only have one winner and our runner-up is mark reliance from bones and all um i mean you know when we spoke about bones and all kind of 
you know, the character of Sully was mentioned a lot in, in our, you know, in, in this movie making our top 10. And I think kind of Sully was the perfect, um, you know, uh, villain and character in this movie when, you know, like I said, the second he appears on screen, you are enamored by what, what the hell, you know, like we thought it was just going to be Tessa's story and just her kind of, um, going through not, not Tess, um, that's her barbarian Marin story. Um, and, um, her, you know, just kind of discovering who she is and what her issue is. And then to get introduced to Solly and him having this hunger as well and kind of being this mentor initially, but having this side to him and, you know, the, the way, you know, we, you know, the way that that performance is driven is, is just brilliant. There's, there's like parts where he's just got like, Draw hanging from his face while he's talking and it's just so unsettling but then there's parts as well where he's very vulnerable and you feel like he is just this poor old man that's very lonely because of this problem that they have and you, you're like oh do you do we feel sorry for sully and then he whips out a bag of people's hair that he scalped off people and you're like mm, i don't know if we should feel that bad for sully <laughs> and you know it really is this this roller coaster you know we talk about um you know, Bill Skarsgård in Barbarian, but with, with, with Bones and All and, and Mark Reliance, it's really, you know, it really is the whole movie, this backwards and forwards with Sully. Like, is he a good guy? Is he going to turn up at the end and save the day? Or is he going to, is he going to be an absolute bloody menace? You know? And I think, um, you know, that coin kind of flipping throughout the whole movie is really great. You know, when he disappeared early in the movie, I was I was disappointed. And when he kind of rocks up in the in the van, just just like so like <laughs> such a point when he shouldn't rock up, mm, and and just so like <laughs> and just so unapologetically being like, yeah, I've been stalking you for like weeks, <laughs> and and just just chilling. But now you're not with that dude anymore. I thought now's my chance to talk to you. I'm like, mate. I'm like that's that was a terrible choice, mate. Like, <laughs> like there's never there's never a good choice to stalk someone for weeks on end. But but revealing now that that's what you're doing is, is a real poor choice. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it, it was just it was such a great performance. Yeah, I, I love this so much, and I really wanted it to win because of the mm. fact that I don't, you know, it's normally going to be lead performances that win it, and so to mm-hmm. see such as one of the strongest side characters we've ever had in a film that that really does steal the show. That the two leads in Bones and All are great, but the one thing we always go back to is Mark Rylance as Sully. It, it's just outstanding mm-hmm. what he's able to achieve with such little screen time, and yeah, he he's it's a character that yeah could be good played by other people but he makes it exceptional with how creepy and i actually think there was a lot of um like he was making it up on the spot because there's a lot of shots that just kind of linger and they just they just kind of i think the director just let him be sully in the moment and let him come up with different ways especially that van sequence where he's like he's like hovering then it looks like he's gonna go around the back then he kind of like opens the door but doesn't get in like there's just something about him that's so unsettling (laughs) yeah overall you just i don't know what he's gonna do next um 
and it all comes with that performance which is incredible but yeah there could only be one winner one one winner once i really thought about it because it's what i've always defaulted to for this entire year and yeah it is one that we have mentioned which is alexander skarsgård in the northman um you know you mentioned it earlier i said it on my original review that he was born to play this role and it was a it was a big thing to say at the time but i feel so much more gratified now having watched the making of because alexander basically said the same thing himself Mm -hmm. he said he's waited 30 years to make this film and it just shows um and the reason why i could not give it to anyone else was i truly believe there isn't anyone else on the planet that could have played this character the way alexander did like i just like robert must have written it for him he just must have and he must have hoped that this person existed because it's like outstanding from the look from the performance from the the voice everything is outstanding i've always been a big fan of alex's you know from true blood and from all these different tv shows and films but to see him finally be the man be the lead that carrying this film on his shoulders um to me it was like this this moment of just joy of like oh he's finally got the big one because he typically plays side characters as well Mm -hmm. and so i was so happy that like no he's the fucking man in this film and he's the only man that could play this so for that reason alone i was i was so so happy to give it to him um and just as a quick aside this this is actually the first time that both alexander and bill have been nominated for our category um which is yeah it's insane to think that how much the scars guards you know as a family dominate the conversation on the podcast they've never mm. actually been nominated for it so i'm so glad that we've been able to to uh sort that out yeah, and get two in here yeah thankfully you gotta love a um, card. exactly um, yeah they just make everything better but yeah i think the like like you said we've we've liked alex for, for a long while you know dating right back to true blood and always been a fan of his but uh, you know this this is beyond that where he he transformed himself into a monster for this movie mm. because his his whole he looks about four foot taller than he's ever been in anything else he's <laughs> four 50 foot wider times, as well <laughs> yeah he's 50 times bigger and he, yeah he looks like one of the most terrifying people on the planet in this movie and his voice and everything he just he just became this monster like i i can only imagine like people just being terrified of him on set um, and, and I'd imagine that he just ate like raw animal carcasses whilst filming this movie and just slept outside like on a mountain. They're like, we're going back to the hotel. He's like, sweet. I'm going to go catch me a boar. Like he, he just lived that life. Like his... he, he just howled at him and then walked yeah. outside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm just going to go, go befriend some pack of wolves, you know? Yeah. And it's just, yeah, it really was something like on a, you know, c- completely different plane where, the the movie is our movie of the year, but without without Alex in it, you know, in this pivotal lead, it, it wouldn't have been as believable. And that's why it has to sync up with him being in our best male performance as well. Yeah, definitely. I, I, you can't make this movie without him. And I think Robert would say mm-hmm. the exact same thing. Um, but yeah, moving on to our best female performance. Um, would you mm-hmm. like to uh, take one of the runners up? Sure. Yeah. Um... It's been a you know it's been a while since we spoke some Stranger Things you know it's been a good two or three categories and so it's time <laughs> time to bring it back uh, where yeah Sadie Sink is one of our runners up in this year for female performance I think kind of I think with with Stranger Things you know they, they've always the, the the performances have always been there with 
in in our categories but i think what's so great about it is it's never the same um actor or actress that 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 is is nominated you know i think winona ryder was so strong in the first season we had david harbour strong in you know different seasons and i think kind of steve and you know all these different characters and i think um someone like max has always been a character that i've not like truly loved and even with kind of billy isn't it her brother i mean the last yeah. season um you know i i still didn't like i liked max but i i wasn't you know fully embraced with her character but this season she absolutely blew me away i thought her performances were were like on on another level to what she's done in in the previous series where she just embodied that character every line was delivered just just like she she was you know she became max perfectly and and then obviously what she had to go through and kind of you know that being the big kind of scene of the first first half of this season and kind of the whole letters and the way she was giving them out to people and slowly kind of get into that grave grave moment and when she gets reunited with billy and i think kind of all of that was done so well and and really if if she hadn't delivered in those moments it could have fallen flat um and you know not for not for a second did it and so so yeah it it was it was a standout moment in this year and it was because of her performance it was delivered so well yeah it felt like a real star making performance for her and i think just as one thing to mention because you were saying about how you know we we probably didn't feel as attached to max as a character mm. before i think it really does just stem from the fact that she's not a season one original so there was there's always kind of that thing in the back of your mind isn't there of like oh she wasn't there from the start mm-hmm. and so but what they've done especially in this most recent season is to completely eradicate that really and make everyone feel like they're a part of the show and it isn't just those originals anymore you know they introduce characters in this season that everyone loves like eddie and stuff so yeah she she was amazing i do kind of wish this was it for her because it was it was so good that it felt yeah. like the final swan song for max that that to me is the only thing this was missing was that i don't want to see any more of sadie now in stranger things because i think she was perfect and she's not going to be as good in a finale that is going to have so much to handle i like I, I think she should have just went off on a high but that is just a, a small issue um but the other runner-up, uh, again, is a movie which we've discussed many times, but not this performance, in fact, um, which is uh-huh. Nicole Kidman in The Northman. Um, this was one that, to me, only massively jumped out on a rewatch um, because I think on first watch, you get so enamored with Alex um, and the main plot of the film, as well as its, its various villains, you know, in particular, Phil Nor, I thought was outstanding. Um, and of course, you know, when we see Anya, we're such huge fans of her and, and, the, and her role in the relationship with Alex's character. There's a lot going on with a lot of big faces. I think so it wasn't until that rewatch that, I really thought Nicole Kidman's character is so pivotal in everything from from the early sequences to how she kind of treats his father, uh, who is the king at the time, and to then how she treats Filnor and um, him later on to me really ties the whole film together because you 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 put her in a role in your mind that she's not you know you think oh she's the damsel in in distress that i need to come save and i think when you really view the movie from her 
her point of view that's what changes everything they're like no she was actually a slave and, and was being you know held captive and you were not a child out of love whereas these children that i have now absolutely were and i think the way she's able to perform that it's absolutely heartbreaking the the first scene between her and sort of adult you know alex's character where she's rejecting him and being like oh, oh this was your, yeah like this was your yeah. life mission like no like go away go do not i never want to see from you again i'm happy you are nothing to me um and it was just outstanding i absolutely love it that we already or i already know that they have chemistry because from big little lies these two actors were amazing together um you know and it was funny that they were a couple in that rather than a you know a mother and a, a son in this um but to see those again interact in a completely different fantasy setting she's just unbelievable she's obviously a huge huge famous actress um but we've not really get to see her in genre stuff at all and i think again that speaks to someone like robert that like why on earth would she do this I, I think to me there's so many actors that do see either horror or fantasy setting or stuff beneath them and i think when you get someone like robert involved that just elevates the whole thing where of course any genre and anything can be good if it's made by good people um you know that's been proven with like superhero movies for the longest time where for a while people would turn their noses up at them and it wasn't really until you know people like christopher nolan made them an art form and yeah i i just love all of that stuff it all ties together and nicole kidman in the northman like say on a rewatch in particular because you, alex steals the show she is such a huge vital part of why that film works for me so i was so happy that she was a runner-up in this category yeah well i think what, what she does so well is it makes you question uh everything in in regards mm. to who you're rooting for because you spend the whole movie with alex's lens and you know you you think that yeah we want him to get his revenge like his poor mum and like everything like the life she must have had and like to get that realization and to suddenly sit there for a second and be like have we been cheering for the bad guy this whole time mm. like i don't even know like and i still don't really know like i just you know it, it's so well done and, and it's her that, that gives you that doubt and gives you that kind of moment um so yeah it was fantastic um but there really could only be one winner this year um mm. you know pick whichever movie you want um but mia goth uh wins best female performance um i think i think in all seriousness because she is in two movies um but but it really was her performance in pearl um you know i i think um you know she was fantastic in x and playing these dual characters was fantastic as well but but in pearl we really got to see this side of her where where you know, you said it in in our top ten review, where where it really is the best kind of, um, you know, catalogue an act an actor could ever have. Where she just needs to say, J just go watch Pearl. Like, if you want me in your movie, go watch Pearl. That's what I can do. And if if that doesn't interest you, then you, you know we probably shouldn't talk anymore. Um, you know, because it really is just this this perfect. You know, it's not just it's not just the the horror and everything else. It, it is just this character piece for an hour and a half where we get to see her do everything. Um, and it, it's incredibly unsettling. And I think, you know, th there are scenes where we linger on Mia for so long. And if she doesn't captivate you, it really, nothing happens apart from Mia just, just staring back really for, for giant chunks of the film, including the finale of the film. And I think kind of, mm. you know, those scenes could have been 
you know, incredibly just weird and off, you know, not, not work, but, but you can't help but just stare at what she's doing with this performance. And so, yeah, like, like this, this was one where this category was difficult to narrow down, but we knew we had a winner early on. Yeah, 100%. I think this was the easiest winner we've ever had across all acting categories. Um, and I think that this is also the best female performance we've ever seen. Like, it, it really is unbelievable what she was able to achieve across these two movies. Um, the dual roles as well in X just worked for me so well. And that's all I have to say is I can't wait to see the conclusion of this trilogy in Maxine and also the fact that we get to see now our two winners of these two categories in Mia Goth and Alex Alexander Skarsgård in the new Brandon Cronenberg movie very very soon I cannot fucking wait I'm so excited for to see these guys again because they are just outstanding and yeah she she won this at such a canter it's it wasn't even close um but yeah moving on to best concept which is always a very fun one obviously it doesn't have to necessarily mean that they nailed it though obviously it will help um yeah. but yeah kind of what what is it you know best original stuff is kind of another word for it if you want to be more vague with it um but yeah i always enjoy this one and kind of the first runner-up we have is um the autopsy which was uh, the third episode of cabinet of curiosities the anthology mm. series which, yeah, if you obviously listen to that episode, you will know how much I was in love with this episode. Um, but to me, this this concept was mind-blowing. The, the, the more we were... The more we found out about it, the more I couldn't believe how interested I was by it. And to see this different take on this parasitic alien and kind of what it's trying to achieve and how it's doing it, th this is just so good. Like I say, I couldn't believe that it's buried within just an episode of an anthology show, which that's being very reductive for what we got because what we got was so exceptional, but for both from this and as the show overall. But this is good enough to be like movie of the year stuff it really is like it from a sci-fi level from a horror level from an originality level it's just it ticks every box for me um i need to watch this again because i only watched it within the context of the show which i loved but i do want to just sit down and be like right i'm just gonna watch the autopsy and just give this my my full watch and especially knowing now i do think um a rewatch is gonna add so much to it because there's just so much that you find out that that is like callbacks to earlier that makes the whole thing even better it, it's just genius this whole thing was outstanding it comes from the concept but the overall execution was flawless to me so yeah so happy to see this as a as a runner-up on this list yeah definitely i think you know you, you covered it where this this was just so multifaceted that it that it was the original concept of this whole autopsy and then when it unpacked and what the hell the actual you know, what the autopsy was being done on and then just how this kind of parasitic alien kind of was was trying to win and how it got outsmarted. It was just all so clever and just yeah, perfectly executed. Um, yeah, but our next runner-up, I don't even know how to talk about this one because it's just <laughs> so batshit crazy. It is Crimes of the Future. I mean, I think that's all I need to say. Um, it, it's just... Everything about it, from the, the 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 world that was created, the characters, and just the, the it, it's the fact that this world kind of is so crazy and and really difficult to understand. But likewise, the the film is just like, nah, fuck you. Like we're just going to chuck you into this world, <laughs> like in the deep end, and we'll we'll have these agencies and these underground 
clubs and underground gangs and and all of these different things and this kind of competing body modification and this like registering of of new organs and all this like crazy shit going on and you're just like what am i being thrown into let alone when we get into the machines and you know like i say you talk about concept and and you know not not to like with with the autopsy you can kind of just talk about the premise and everything else but it's like what is the concept of crimes of the future do we talk about the tech do we talk about the body modification do we talk about the world that's being built the 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 agencies that are being created it's just it's just everything is just just like insane and just only one person could make a movie like this really um and 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 that's why you know it has to make it on the list yeah, for me, it's easily most concept, and mm. I think yeah, the reason why it doesn't the reason why it doesn't win is because the other two, the winner and the autopsy, were I think flawless executions of mm. said concept. Whereas mm. I think this is we said it in our review, we felt like we'd missed the limited miniseries, the spin-off book, and the video game adaptation that we were all supposed to consume before watching this. Yeah, film. I was like, "Where's the Animatrix? I need to, yeah. I need to get." <laughs> because they just explain nothing and that is the magic of it because i feel like you learn so much as you're watching it and it's why i really want to watch the film again but yeah it's just insane that is yeah only cronenberg can come up with this um Mm-hmm. But yeah, the winner, in fact, is a movie that we have not discussed in the slightest so far. I know, I'm so excited. Yeah, it's a nice one to talk about. A movie at Fright Fest as well, one of the only Fright mm-hmm. Fest entries, um, which was Next Exit, um, which, yeah, is a movie that obviously we did, we did a very brief discussion of in the sort of madness of Fright Fest. And, mm-hmm. you know, we are very eager to watch this film again. Um but it is based on you know a concept of the afterlife exists that's the very simple setup um and then it's a case of what does that mean in this world and to these characters and to me that is why this wins best concept because what it meant to all of the characters that we meet throughout the film i think is exceptional i think it brings up so many really deep and interesting questions and all of the stuff that it it tries to tackle you know it, it, we deal with two incredibly suicidal characters is our two lead characters and that alone is a very bold move for a film to especially when you're telling a, a romantic story and one that you're supposed to root for these characters like there's just so many things that this does which it's impossible to not bring up mike flanagan because it's similar with midnight mass like we're introduced to our lead character and he's just you know seemingly killed someone in a drink driving accident like one of the worst things you could possibly do and it's like how do you make this character even remotely likable and like he somehow does it throughout the course of the tv show and i think that was what um was so interesting about this film this concept and i think dealing with the afterlife what it means to die all of that stuff people that are actually more willing to die now because they know the afterlife's there it, it, it's just fantastic isn't mm. it and I, I know you absolutely love this film yeah this movie just really spoke to me on an emotional level and i think with the concept you know just kind of it, it it was so fascinating seeing the execution. I think kind of it, it's one of the biggest questions I think that, that exists kind of, you know, what is out there after this and, 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 you know, people go to the extremes to try and find these answers. And the fact that in this world, it's been unequivocally answered. I think that's, that's such an interesting point. And then, and then to actually see how people react to it and, and, you know, I've never even thought of that question because I've never got I've never got the answer to the initial question. That's why, Um, you know, if you knew that there was no 
you know, there was an afterlife and that was great. Like, why stick around now? You know, and that's basically what, what this movie is asking, you know, and I think that can be done in a really, you know, cheap way. Cause even when I say it there, it sounds quite cheap and it's like, well, you know, okay. But, but actually then seeing these characters that have got reasons to not want to be here right now, you know, they've got, a, they've had horrible situations. Like, do you know what? Like, there's this paradise that's there. Like, why why not get a slice of it now? And and over the course of this movie, having that realization that actually no, being alive is is actually worthwhile and kind of you know the afterlife can wait was just really spoke to me. And and when we got to the final scenes of the movie, it it went a bit like it did go a little bit zany and and kind of I, I wish it had stayed a little bit more grounded. But but then when we got to the the real kind of final couple of moments it just filled me with so much happiness and it was one where when we finished that movie at fright fest i really didn't want to go into another movie i just kind of wanted to sit there and absorb what we'd just seen because it it, it just really spoke to me and i think it was the, the concept and then that execution of the concept was was just was just so well done yeah for sure like this is definitely a movie that we need to see again not only for how good it is but like you say i think this is a movie that you need to see on its own and so i don't think even though it was great to see it on that massive screen it wasn't the best way to watch this having seen other movies earlier and other movies straight after it like i wanted to be able to exist and think about it and we didn't really get that time um but yeah moving on uh to an interesting category because this one does have a slight name change in fact um (laughs) this was called best sequel slash remake um and it is still that but we realized that there was a slight oversight just in the name even though it was always part of this category in spirit um so therefore it has been now renamed best sequel slash prequel or remake um and you will see why shortly um but yeah would you would you like to take a runner-up Sure, sure. I mean, um, I think it. You know, we've had we've had so many prequel uh, sequels and slash remakes this year. Um, mm. In particular, sequels to franchises that we love. You know, we've yeah, had entries in, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Hellraiser and all of these huge franchises. You know, we've had Chucky return to the to the smaller screen and kind of all of these things. And yeah, to see Scream come back and come back post Wes Craven and be as good as it is. Um, you know, it, it, it is one of our runners up and um, for a while I thought it would win. Um, and, and yeah, to deliver, you know, as we said, we, you know, it made our top 10 and to deliver a scream that's, that's as good and can be held in the conversation that you can say to someone, yeah, watch all five screen movies. It's just so great. And that that's why it makes the list you know it is it's an incredibly solid film and such a great worthy sequel to the wes craven legacy that was left behind yeah for sure like for me this category is i don't need these films to be the best films of the year i want them to be good entries in those franchises and so i hope that next year's scream is also in this category it will mean that it's a good film um but yeah the other runner-up um is vhs 99 um which yeah follows on from last year vhs 94 was also a runner-up in this category (laughs) obviously that movie did just sneak into our top 10 whereas this year's entry didn't um but once again another 
really good entry in this franchise. I've I've always loved VHS. You know, those yeah. first the first one especially two was very good. Viral was such a huge blunder at the time that it killed the franchise. But for them to now come back and yeah, shudder. Yeah, two great entries that i think are you know 94 does have bigger moments and it has a bigger standalone segment but 99 is just consistently very good um and that was what was so great about it for me was that i was like there wasn't a single segment where i was like oh my god this is abysmal it was just no these are all good these all feel like vhs moments and obviously we'd already known that they were doing more as well where i'm like i feel like i'm in safe hands now and again as a franchise fan that's all i want i want there to be like yeah. oh no i'm i'm pretty confident that the next vhs will be as good as the last two and that's a great feeling because i haven't got a worry like it could still be shit of course but like i want that to be the base level so i can just go in and have fun and i i always have fun watching these movies i had a blast watching 99 it was so much fun um so yeah i'm so glad it's on here yeah and i think like we said in our review it's it's probably the most consistent vhs we've had with with a level that there really isn't like a a yeah a real bad one in 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 the whole movie and yeah the highs aren't as high but but it really doesn't have a major low and and yeah it was a super solid entry into a franchise that we love and yeah i can't wait for more of them um but yeah they could be only one winner and it is the uh slash prequel that we needed to get into the title because pearl is our winner of this year's uh category with the, the the first entry and the prequel being in the same goddamn year, Ty West, you <laughs> maniac. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it had to win. Obviously, we've spoken about Pearl, we've spoken about the franchise, and we've spoken about Mia a yeah, hell of a lot. Don't really need to say much more. <laughs> yeah, you know, it needed to win this category and is is definitely deserving of this category. And it's it's interesting that the spirit of this category was always, you know, for prequels are part of it. It's, it's a franchise entry is kind yeah. of what this category is, but we've never had a prequel that, you know, it's so rare that a prequel is any good. Mm. Um, so it's the first time that one's come close to being in this category, let alone winning it. Yeah. We were both saying where it's like, what are the all time great prequels? And this is mm. one of them like this, mm. cause it makes the thing that it's a prequel to better. And it's also an amazing standalone film. So yeah, it, it just serves all those purposes. Uh, this was easily the winner for me. Um, yeah. But yeah, moving on to a very, this is normally the weakest category. Mm. However, it was somehow exceptional this year. Um, and that is best yeah. villain. This is, this is so niche because you can have, 25 amazing horror movies and tv shows that none of them have true villains mm-hmm. um so it's a weird thing but we just lucked out this year that we actually had a lot of very very good ones um and yeah one of the runners up is uh, arguably like the birth of a new horror icon even if the movies aren't exceptional mm-hmm. um and is art the clown from terrifier 2 you know we just we discussed that movie not that long ago i feel like part of me is still watching it somehow because it was so goddamn long yep. um but he, well, he's just a a... That, that just streams <laughs> on yeah. twitch <laughs> and, and it's just being filmed like simultaneously and and yeah it's just it's just always on twitch 24 7 don't give him ideas um 
but yeah that it is like say as a film god there's so many problems but as a character that has now been born as an icon as a a face that people will recognize that you can put on anything and boom that is art the clown um he just works and he is a great villain he's funny um just i what i love about him is the visuals we talked about it the 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 small things from the facial expressions from the little hat to the to the actual clown outfit it, it just all works in, in a way that it really shouldn't because we've actually seen a lot of iconic clowns and so this should be something that wouldn't work as well as it does but it just does like art, clown, art the clown is art the clown is a fantastic villain that arguably deserves better films um but he is he is what he is and i really like art the clown and he, and he definitely deserves to be on this list even if yeah the movies aren't the best in quality for us but they are entertaining in a weird way if they were just a little bit shorter yeah, i just wish we had a story at this point you know with it but then this is what he, they tried to do with this one <laughs> yeah they tried that <laughs> yeah i don't know what i want anymore no, but i know i like art like, yeah, exactly i just like still images of art <laughs> like i love him i love his weird little friend that he has i love the fact that he's a mute and and mm. kind of you know but but is so vocal in his expressions i think all of that works so well and then when you get the horror you know he looks terrifying and he really does deliver on the name as well mm. um so yeah definitely deserves to be there and, and another kind of birth of a, of a villain this year was was in tv and it was the rise of vecna um which you know, I think with with Stranger Things, we've we've always, you know, we've loved the show for, from it from season one. But I think kind of, you know, Papa has been this kind of villain character that I've never really like cared that much about. And you know, the, obviously there's like demigorgons and all these kind of monsters, but there's never like this pivotal, you know, hub of this central character. And I think kind of. I just didn't expect it with this season to kind of have that. And I thought, you know, the embodiment of kind of Billy in, in the last season and stuff like that, it would always be like a conduit of characters that we know. And I think very much we, we're, we're, we're probably going to get that with Sadie in the next season. Um, and I think, you know, but actually getting Vecna and this, this awesome character that was very violent in this season, you know, when he, the way he was hunting down people and taking them out was incredibly violent. And then to get the backstory as well that just perfectly played in and kind of, you know, really just cleverly bled into our character's current day dealing with Vecna with the realisation of who Vecna was, which is executed perfectly and, and was, yeah, instantly the birth of a great villain in, in, in this one season. Yeah, I think it really elevated the show for me because I think they always had the great location, which was Hawkins slash the Upside Down. And then they had the the moments, like you say, the Demogorgons and these different things or, you know, the embodiment of an unknown evil or entity through characters. But I do think they needed their own face and voice for the show because now he he is stranger things you'll think on one side you have 11 and you have hopper and you have these characters on the other side you have the upside down and you have vecna and they, yeah. they really needed that and it's almost i wish it would have come sooner because mm -hmm. now we've only just got a very small space to play in but that's you know that that's not really relevant here like he's just so good they finally nailed one of the small missing elements of the show which again is why i think the season was so strong is that they actually 
you know there was a few criticisms of stranger things not many but there was a few and i actually think they pretty much you know nailed them all and that was one yeah. of them is it needed a compelling video and they were like all right here's vector and i was like sound this is awesome so yeah he uh he was he was absolutely fantastic um but yeah there can only be one winner and yeah once again we have we have mentioned this countless times because it's just so impactful um and it was sully in bones and all you know again performance wise amazing the film's great you know deserves to be in the top 10 but as a villain you know he's not introduced as a villain even though like you say it is creepy in those first moments but it's that slow slowly you know he could have been a friend he could have been a good guy in a different you know, it yeah. had things gone a different way, but it's just the more you push him, the more he wants to take, the more you're not giving him what he wants, he will snap. And yeah, it's he will scalp you eventually. Yeah, like and once you get to those final moments, and we said it in the review, you see that bag, you have that realization. That to me is when it all clicked. Where I was like, Oh, this is already an amazing side character in a film that I'm really enjoying, but this now scene in this finale solidifies him as one of the best villains i've seen as a side character whereas yeah to me the only one that i can really think of is wayne Mackey in summer of 84 where mm. he just was this this perfect villain for these group of kids that you know you love the kids but they you don't know what they're necessarily investigating are they gonna you know are they right are they wrong they needed a, a true villainous threat and yeah that's exactly what this movie needed it would have been great otherwise if it was just these two people going on this adventure you know being this romance story but the god my god did this need a real jolt and a real kick up of the arse at times and sully just delivers that in 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 bags doesn't he yeah there, there are parts of the the movie where i really thought he was going to be the hero where he was going to come along and save her you know and even when he was being like the stalker character i was like oh, okay well if she does get in trouble you know i guess sully is there he's going to be in the van following her like i guess that's reassuring right and then like as the movie goes on you realize oh god like and and yeah when we when we got saw that bag and when we saw the hair that was attached to it, it was just it was just gut wrenching and, and was such a great way to end the movie. Um and yeah, there were so many scenes where he was just incredibly unsettling where I I, I didn't wanna like just his voice, I didn't want to hear him talk because everything he said just creeped me out. It it was just such a great performance and, and yeah, it was was hands down you know this was another one where early on we we had our winner and we we needed to narrow down the others um because it, he was head and shoulders above the rest definitely um, much like the last category <laughs> which is yeah best tv show um which we yeah. have, i'm sure we've mentioned some of these before but uh we have one, would you like one, to take a runner up sure i was gonna say one that we haven't mentioned at all yet um is lord of the rings rings of power um makes our runner-up in best tv show um i think notably um this this season of like like t- transition and lord of the rings to to tv they they did it very violently um and it's something that we spoke about when we when we talked about it you know weekly on the show is that i wasn't expecting it to be as violent as it was they really did go there with it um but also you know i'm a huge lord of the rings fan and kind of seeing that they were making this show and hearing what they were doing i really wasn't sold and to the point that i all i was not excited and almost weren't wasn't going to watch it and it was it was like a 50 50 because it was kind of disgusting that this and game of thrones um came out at the same time and i was like well i i literally have seen the northman like i don't know whether i need any more of this and i was like 
I, I guess I'll just give I'll give Lord of the Rings a watch. If I don't like that, then I'll give Game of Thrones a watch. Well, I still haven't watched Game of Thrones because Lord of the Rings completely delivered the the episodes. I just wish they were longer. I just wish I just wish they were like an hour and a half longer of like each episode, like of just vistas of Middle Earth and and just characters talking nonsense to each other because that's exactly <laughs> what I want. Like I loved it all. I loved. I love the dwarfs. I, I, I'm incredibly frustrated with the tease of the Belrog. Like, mm. but but I know it's coming. Like in six years' time, and <laughs> um, but I, I don't care. Like, I just want hours and hours of content before I get there with the Belrog because I just enjoy being in that world with these stupid characters. And and you know, with this one, it's all these brand new characters. You know, pretty much we have we have very few returning characters that we know from the franchise but i think you know almost all of them really really do deliver you know i think a couple of the um halflings or whatever they're called maybe aren't maybe aren't that strong but um Mm. you know they've been killed off now anyway um (laughs) and and yeah the ones we're left with the ones i like the most and and pretty much every other character landed moifid clark obviously we you know we spoke about her at length in 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 on the show and um on on our show in previous years and and in the show lord of the rings and kind of you know she's she's fantastic and she she you know so happy for her to get this role this this crazy big role and then for her to deliver in 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 the way she did she she was absolutely fantastic and um yeah the the show was great yeah i really enjoyed it i i i to go back what you said like i don't think i would have watched this had you not you know watched it and liked it because i you know years ago was super excited for it and then i kind of got closer to it and realized like no i just i'm so protective over that trilogy and what peter jackson done that it's one of the few Mm -hmm. things that my my fandom starts and ends with that trilogy and i just don't don't see a place for anything else and so to actually watch it and be like similar with a lot of the franchise entries that we've said this year be like oh no they're doing lord of the rings justice and and that feels good to me now i still think the show it's a really good first step and i really liked season one i want them to be better i want them to go out there and make this a better show i still think they can improve upon aspects of it um i want them to go out there and try and you know make a better tv show than the trilogy like i think that's impossible but i want you to try that um Mm -hmm. and i think that it's a lot of the new stuff's really good. I think by the end of it, I am a little bit worried about how many big name characters we now have going forward. Yeah. Um, because we only really had Galadriel at the start. And we have certainly a lot more than that by the end of it. Um, so I am a little bit worried that it is just going to become more Lord of the Rings light. Whereas I actually liked Rings of Power. I liked that this is set mm. so far away from the trilogy and, you know, and it, it is slower um again i completely agree with you that i'm so down for the slowness of this show whereas i think a lot of people aren't i was already reading today that there's like in season two they were like oh it's gonna have a quicker pace and more battles and oh, the battles episode was amazing but like i don't need a whole show of that like the, this, yeah. the moments with the like the dwarves in particular speaking to that elf guy was just fantastic like there's just so many good moments in the show yeah when you're just still in his still in his table like i'm like great that's yeah, great like exactly. the battles are great but i could also do an hour and a half of just them having food you need you need whimsy in Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings isn't as big and as serious as other fantasy shows. Shows it needs to have silliness mm-hmm. and kookiness to really feel like Middle Earth to me. Well, um, to feel like and, Peter Jackson's Middle Earth, which is what mm, we want it to be. 
yeah for sure but yeah no great great first entry i'm really looking forward to season two as well mm-hmm. um but yeah, another the other runner-up sadly had to be a runner-up unfortunately but it was just absolutely outstanding that we that we had to dedicate our own show to it is guillermo del toro's cabinet of curiosities which is a real massive win for netflix as we've said in recent weeks that they've mm-hmm. kind of they they throw a lot of the wall i think they'll always go for the <laughs> The common man they want to just have the most generic stuff because it'll it'll catch a, a wider net they don't necessarily want to cater to a hardcore audience um and i think there are times when luckily we will just happen to fall into that like a show that we're about to discuss but i think mm-hmm. that this is really fucking niche like i don't know why netflix made this and no. um i'm just so thankful yeah, i'm just so thankful that they did i mean i think they just somehow made it for del toro mm-hmm. um you know and luckily he's such a genius that it just works because yeah, we love anthology shows. We've been shouting that for the for the entire time doing this podcast. Um, but this is this is it. This is the one I've wanted for the entire time. We're like, oh no, we now have one of the best filmmakers of this generation overseeing such a varied list of and group of filmmakers. You know, multiple filmmakers that I haven't even liked their films in the past. But I'm so glad he had them as part of this because I respected them as visionaries and their stories actually worked for me this time round. Um in a shorter format. So yeah, I loved Cabinet of Curiosities. I pray that we get more of this. Hopefully it's next year as well. Um because yeah, just do this again. Like don't change anything. Just do exactly this again, please. It was awesome. Yeah, I think, you know, when we when we reviewed it, you know, it was the fact that the bar was just so high instantly. And, and I still feel very similar to how I do about this season where I don't think some of these episodes spoke to me as much as they did a lot of people. But I just had to admire the quality and the craft that went into it. Every one of them was made so well. And I think it was, you know, it felt very much like Del Toro had curated this list of people that he wanted to collaborate with. And then he worked with them on the projects as well to a point. And, and, you know, he had credits on some of the other, on, on some of the shorts and stuff. And it really felt, you know, different to how twilight zone felt, for example, where that really did feel like Jordan was just a face that was put on it, where this does feel like it is a del Toro project that he is at the helm still steering the ship. Yeah, Um, this is exactly what I wanted Twilight Zone to be. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it was a great first entry. But, you know, in a year where Stranger Things comes out, unfortunately, Stranger Things wins best TV show. Uh, (laughs) Only when it it deserves it, but chances are it will deserve (laughs) it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. It doesn't win it de facto, but but it inevitably does because it's just the best goddamn TV show. (laughs) um and yeah season four was so fucking good you know we've spoken about it so much over the course of the year we've spoken about it multiple times in our best of you know in our in our categories now and and yeah it's the best tv show of the year It, it it's elevated stranger things to another level i think this season because it's really amped up the end game and got me so excited for what's happening you know i think kind of Every season I've just enjoyed as its own standalone thing. But ever since we got that kind of clarification that we were coming to an end, it was like, okay, what does that mean? And I think like this season has done such a fantastic job for setting that up. Um, And so I have to like, you know, just take my hat off for that. And then, you know, the delivery of the, 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 the violence, the fact that this mood, that this season is way more horror and violent than any other season um you know the use of music that we've spoken about in in categories and and you know with 
with Sadie's performance and you know just everything about it just just really delivered and you know it, it, you know I joke about it but that's why Stranger Things when it when it comes out it, it just seems to always deliver and will always do that you know I mean I don't know how many times like we've had either Flanagan or Stranger Things like win best TV but it, you know can't help it if they're making the best shit yeah, well, I mean, yeah, this is the third win for Stranger Things now, um, which yeah is completely unprecedented. And it's, I think, the thing for me about Stranger Things is that the highs are so high, like unbelievably high, and and the best thing on TV by far. That even criticisms and lows I have, they in the end they just don't really matter, you know. And that's why when we do like full dedicated shows, I had my criticisms. I talked about characters that kind of went nowhere. The you know the kind of the the group of kids that were with like the pizza guy and, and that whole stuff just not really going anywhere. Like these are problems that in the moment I have a slight issue with, but by the end of it, they don't really matter because the highs of l the highs of vecna the highs of max the highs of the reunion of hopper and and um uh what's the character's name i forgot when owner's character um joyce um, um you know that reunion their journey to get there anyway <laughs> in russia like all that there's just so much that's overwhelmingly amazing in the show that yeah i might be a bit annoyed that like wills are doing fuck all and and you know these other small things aren't really working for me well, or, his, or, you know his time will come that's the thing isn't it will, like but that's another question entirely mm. but like yeah. either way yes there are frustrations in the moment l going back to the hall in the in the place with papa and doing the training again like yeah. i was frustrated at the time but the end game was worth it because the reveal of vecna was so powerful and so good that i don't actually care now about that 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 is an issue um so yeah it to me it doesn't matter if there are small problems because the overall sum of its parts and yeah like i said uh, a while ago they just please nail the landing you have one season to go you have you can have the world at your feet all these actors these amazing creators there's so much to look forward to in the future that should not be your concern right now your concern right now is to finish off this we've obviously famously there's a lot of shows that botch the ending do not do this for stranger things solidify this as one of the greatest shows ever made please 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 do that yeah. <laughs> um please, but yeah, that is it for our individual awards. Um, so yeah, just to quickly end us off now, we do have a few sort of listener picks um, of the year. Um, so yeah, uh, kicking things off with Sean to begin with, who says, uh, good morning, Matt and Mike. Uh, we have finished another pretty good year in horror. It'll be interesting to see how this year gets assessed over time. Enjoy. And thanks for all the great work on the podcast this year. You guys are awesome and have a Merry Christmas. Um, so yeah, thank you very much, Sean. Uh, he has done a top 15 films pushing the limit as always, Sean. Um, when you see as many new movies, I guess, you know, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I have to say as well, I don't even know if he's putting this in here to catch me off guard there is a film i haven't even heard of in this top 15 um <laughs> which uh yeah number 15 all the moons is that a film i don't yeah, know but it's in the I list i gotta be honest i saw that and wasn't wasn't sure either <laughs> i really hope he's made that up um it would be great, would be great. <laughs> but yeah i know the rest of the films uh, which is number 14 the black phone uh number 13 crimes of the future number 12 orphan first kill number 11 beast number 10 fall Number nine, Halloween ends. I have to be honest, I was expecting it a bit higher if he was going to troll us with that one. So yeah, I expected more from you there, Sean. I know yeah. I was thinking, got to be top five at a minimum. Yeah. Um, 
Number eight, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. That's a great film. Uh, number seven, X. Number six, The Northman. Number five, The Cursed. Number four, Cabinet of Curiosities. Number three, Men. Number two, Smile. And number one, Pearl. So, yeah, quite a few in there that we uh, agree on this year um, and quite a few interesting ones as well. A few movies that we haven't covered. Uh, obviously, you know, I love Doctor Strange. We love Cabinet of Curiosities. So there's, uh, yeah, some varied stuff in there. Thank you very much for that one, Sean. Um, uh, next up, we have a top five from Dave who says, uh, hey, guys, I uh, put together a little top five of horror films I've watched from this year. Uh, I haven't seen as many as you two have seen, but here are mine. Um, so number five is Smile. Number four is The Northman. Uh, number three is Scream. Number two is Prey. And number one, you'll be happy about this one, is Barbarian. Um, oh, yeah. Love it. So, yeah, nice uh, nice little top five there. He also says, uh, if I were to include TV, then obviously Stranger Things would be here, <laughs> taking the top spot. Um, and it says, looking forward to listening to another year of great podcasts, making my commute something to look forward to. Uh, so, yeah, always nice to hear that. Um, and then, yeah, we just got a few very quick ones uh, sort of came in through Twitter. Um, so, yeah, William says, uh, identi- identifying my favorite child might be easier most days. Um, so, yeah, very, very conflicted this man is. Uh, but he says it's between crimes of the future pearl and nope for me um and his wife says it's between barbarian and terrifier 2 we are a house divided um so yeah it's interesting we're already starting to see a lot of the same films pop up this year like it is interesting typically it's i would say it's probably more varied than this um you mm. know these are a lot of movies that, are, that did feature on our list so uh, interesting to see maybe we're just more in line with our listeners these days who knows maybe. um maybe. But yeah, next up is Scott, who just says Scream. Uh, I think Radio Silence did a brilliant job of honouring Wes whilst carving their own path. Really looking forward to what they cook up in the next one. Uh, Yeah, couldn't agree more with that one, Scott. Um, We then have one from uh, Joanna, who says uh, Speak No Evil is definitely up there. Um, Terrifier 2, obviously. Been loads of good ones this year. So yeah, a lot of love for for terrifier 2 which doesn't surprise me because it is a fan favorite for the for the say, hardcore yeah, horror crowd definitely um, and if you if you want to just see some kills i mean terrified 2 great movie. dude i have massive respect for what they did for an indie film as well mm. like they really pushed the boundaries in terms of how many screens they got that on particularly in the states so yeah i i i'm i i really like what they're doing and i just yeah i know like, watch the extended version yeah <laughs> There's just, there can't be, surely not. Surely that was all the footage that they made. Who knows? <laughs> nah, um, nah, they've got more. <laughs> And then uh, next up is Jeffrey, who just simply replied with the poster for X, which uh, couldn't agree with Yeah, I, I feel what you're putting down there, Jeffrey. Um, and then lastly, we have Kat, who says, I haven't seen enough of them yet, um, but I'd have to say Hellraiser, though Terrified 2 and The Invitation were both fun for very different reasons. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of love for Terrified 2. Um, Hellraiser, interesting one um, as well. Uh, they, they, like I say, it is definitely the first good Hellraiser movie in 30 years for sure um and the imagery i think like we haven't like we didn't speak about hellraiser but like the way the cenobites looked uh, they, they the cenobites were iconic mm. and you know seeing cenobites now these ones feel like i'm happy to see them again like they're, they're so different and a fresh take um the invitation is actually a movie that you know was, was again it's such a strong movie i really loved it um mm. You know, most years that could have easily made a top 10 for me. 
Yeah, um, I was thinking with a lot of these ones that people are saying are films that we liked, just not enough, mm. you know, to be like, yeah, because I know you really liked uh, The Invitation, didn't you? I really liked it. Like, you know, I don't know whether it, it would have been right around the cusp of making my own personal top 10 or maybe just outside. Yeah. Um, you know, but but uh, yeah, it, it was a real good one. I feel the same way about Smile as well. We both mm. enjoyed Smile and it's, yeah, it's in multiple people's lists here, but for us, it just narrowly missed out. You know, it could have been an honorable mention, but yeah. Yeah, I think Smile would have been in my top 15. You know? Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, that is it, finally, for another year, 2022. I mean, I guess for closing thoughts, I'll, I'll pass it over to you. How do you how do you accept uh, how do you assess rather the the year as a whole in the genre? Um, would you say it's a you know particularly strong one? Obviously, we've been doing this for a very long time. Watch a lot of films, a lot of TV across the spectrum. How how would you analyze it? Yeah, I think I think this year is consistency more than anything. I think it's been I think it's been a very good consistent year where. You know, especially the final half of the year, I think kind of when you when you first start talking about the stats and how we did, you know, most of our craving at the start of the, the year and the last six months has just been nonstop. Um, you know, post Fright Fest, it really has just been, you know, a movie that we wanted to watch almost every week. Um, you know, a lot of cinema. It was great to to see these movies, to see kind of big horror movies, you know, the screams hitting the cinema, even if it didn't hit, seeing a Halloween come out, you know, all of these big franchises, but then seeing movies like Bones and All and Terrify 2 getting on the big screen and just, even though we didn't get to see it, unfortunately, but all these things like that were great. And and I think for me as well this year, it was just, it was really nice to be back to Fright Fest and just see mm. those movies in that scenario and, and actually experience that crazy screen for the first time. Like it, it, it felt like a new Fright Fest experience and obviously being two years away also was just very nice to come back. So yeah, really good year and, and yeah, already some stuff I'm really looking forward to for the start of 2023. Yeah, I completely echo that. I think that, yeah, Fright Fest was a joy um, and it made us kind of both want to do the full thing because it was just such an awesome, enjoyable experience. And it's one of the things that I don't think we truly realized how much we missed it until we were back there um, and realized like, oh, no, this is such fun, both for the podcast and for us to just see a bunch of horror films. Um, it was really such a joy. And then, yeah, overall, I yeah, I completely echo what you said in terms of post Fright Fest. It's been insane. Uh, I said, you know, in recent weeks that i've just felt like it's been an autopilot for me where i've really not had to dig and find stuff it's just movies have just naturally come out that we want to see which is awesome um and long may that continue and yeah i think that it's in terms of a top 10 it's it's maybe not the strongest year in terms of the elite of the elite but mm. what it absolutely was was consistently great or good horror films and we you know, the the weeks when we see just utterly abysmal trash, mm. the, and, and I'm talking the movies that don't even warrant any sort of conversation, those ones are painful to try and somehow fill the time, and we hardly had any of those this year. Like, easily the least amount of those films that I dread talking about. Even yeah. if a movie isn't that good, some you know, it can still be fun conversations, which we had. And so, yeah, there was the, the less amount of those uninterested movies this year, which was great, and... That just makes the the overall experience awesome because th this podcast will always be held hostage to the content. You know, the content is the new horror films. Mm -hmm. uh 
um it will always be shaped by that no question about it and so when the films are great the podcast is great and yeah to consistently see good stuff like we've easily recommended more horror this year than probably ever before yeah. um and so that's great because i yeah we i just want to consistently see good great stuff yes you know I would say probably the two of last year, like Last Night in Soho and Psycho Goreman. Like, I don't think any film resonated with me like those two did last year, but that's also maybe the two movies that have resonated with me the most the entire time doing the podcast. So maybe that's an unfair comparison. Mm. But but we also saw, yeah, just not the consistent level of good films like we did this year. Um, and yeah, looking ahead, I mean, I, I cannot wait for next year already. Like January already looks so good. You know, big cinema releases with Megan, with uh, Unwelcome. We have the huge TV show with The Last of Us. Um, yeah, just so much stuff. Big franchises oh, returning. Yeah, I was going to say, we already have a lot of Scream news. We haven't even had the full trailer yet as of recording. Um, we've just had a teaser, an image, and a title. And I already have a lot to say about all three of those things. <laughs> but I am saving it. So I look forward to that in the new year. Um, and yeah, I hope everyone will uh, yeah look forward to it in 2023. And overall, just thank you for an another amazing year of you guys supporting the podcast. Um, the listenership has never been as strong as it is right now. It's been utterly fantastic. And as always, if you have like-minded friends that love genre um genre discussions then uh give us a recommend and give us a follow on social media and the reviews and all that stuff this time of year massively helps us um hope everyone enjoys their uh holiday period and yeah we will see you in the new year um but for now that was uh our best of special thanks for listening as always and we'll see you again very soon see you later everyone I never could, and how could I start now?